The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Austin Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Hey yo, what's up everybody? Dan Tom here, host of the Protect Your Neck podcast, analyst whose work you've seen at MMAJunkie.com and Action Network. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's for the fight. Recording this at my usual time, usual slightly late time, thank you for the live audience, uh, on my YouTube channel, Daniel Tom MMA, on Thursday night, West Coast uh, Pacific Time. Not sure what time the fights are going to be going down in UFC Austin, but that's right. We're going to be breaking down UFC Austin, as you see at the top of the title. UFC on ESPN 52. UFC Fight Night Dariush versus Sarukin, and it'll be uh, kicking off uh, this Saturday. I don't even know what time. Is it an earlier card? I don't even know. Again, I don't know the time zone of Texas, but we're getting this out to you at our normal time. So thank you for guys for already piling in and seeing all the normal positive uh, faces. Oh my god, Jimmy Kudo in the chat. Uh, hit the like, by the way. Appreciate that before I forget. Oh my man, Jimmy Kudo. Guys, it's almost December. Just don't be toxic in the chat. Let's ask Dan some good, thoughtful questions and show our support. You know, Jimmy, I think everybody's been great lately. I don't I don't, I, I don't know why, so I'm going to, you know, uh, just pay it forward to the audience and people like yourself, Jimmy, Ghost Phantom, the enforcers in the house, always doing an excellent job. going to reach out to you guys uh, for the holidays, regardless whether or not you guys are holiday people, um, I just I appreciate all you guys do, and the rest of you for just being here, which is really uh, really awesome. We got Rain Lamina, the chronic combat conversations of singing with elation. What's good, Dan Tom? One of my fave analysts in MMA who fights for what he believes in and stands up for the little guys. I don't know if I, you know. Uh, paint me that nicely, but I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, I de- de- uh, definitely uh, have an appreciation for the little guys, the underdogs, in more ways than one. Of course, the double entendre. This is a betting show, so yes, we will be getting to those as well, but uh, we all know what Rain Lamina is talking about. Makato Kayagoku, the only analyst I listen to and watch, have been narrowed down to the PYM podcast, Heavy Hands, Jack Slack, and Ghost. Wow, that's a great company that I'm in. Thank you for that. Um, and shouts to those uh, gents as well. You guys are the top standard. Uh, MMA media is now just hot takes and ignorance. Yeah, yeah, we're just, uh, don't forget gossip. We, we, we got to stay up on the gossip because that's important, right? You know, jeez, uh, anyways, but uh, I appreciate the love there. Uh, speaking of positive love, we got Alvin Yakutori in the house. Hello, season's greetings, Mr. Tom. Your show is always an inspiration to fans such as myself who don't bet but love the sport of MMA. I wish all the fighters on UFC Austin have great performances. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think we're we're set for a pretty good one, of course, because they're not in the apex. So the matchmakers, uh, you know, did their job, and uh, we'll see what the fighters uh, we'll see what the fighters bring, and hopefully they leave healthy. And I know Alvin feels me on that one. Ghost Phantom, speak of the devil. 
Uh, not literally is a devil, but you know what I mean. It's all love. Hey, Dan, Ghost says. He says, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you uh, do the Amazon reads because I let my friends do the click-through links. And someone may have bought something naughty. Oh, no, I'm going to go check it out. I actually have the list pulled up. Uh, I only did, I think, the last seven days. Uh, uh, we're gonna, it's a small list, but uh, we'll see. I didn't, I didn't read it ahead of time, so which is good. We keep it organic, right? Synchro Wing in the house. Good evening. Excited for the show. I am too, so we're going to get to it. Just wanted to give you guys love. Um, as per usual, uh, we'll get the shouts out of the way. Um, man, I'm, I'm feeling it. Uh, just... Like nine days, I've I've worked out the last seven to the nine or seven out of the last nine days. That's a good ratio for me. I haven't done that for a while, uh, like since last year, like in, in camp and shit. shit obviously, uh, already slinging the curse words, but uh, I only bring that up because, uh, oh man, I, I just realized I got to re up on my uh, my turmeric. And uh, if you want to, uh, I suggest checking out my guy D loves D loves turmeric tonic. You just do the little underscores to follow them on Twitter. Uh, or on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, it's on Twitter as well, actually. But Instagram, you got the stories, you got the actual product there with the lemon juice, the ginger, and the turmeric. Uh, you go to theturmericktonic.com, which is my guy D Love site. Type in Protect15 to get 15% off uh, your next order. I'm going to have to get on one myself. Uh, and of course, if you want to support this. Uh, this here free show, there's ways to do it that was alluded to, but I want to at least get to some business before we do that. We'll do uh, the usual recaps. These are like uh, two weeks cold, more than a week cold, so they're going to be really quick, just result recaps, folks. Again, um, I don't, I, I, I've been trimming the fat a lot in my defense for my talkative ass, so we're going to keep trying to do that. And then we'll do uh, the quick uh, reads. I also got the iTunes uh, reviews, a couple of uh, fresh ones there that I've been promising to read you guys. So we'll just knock those all out really quickly. It sounds like a lot. It's going to be quick. And uh, if you're listening in the future, future, future on iTunes, speaking of which, you want to add to the five-star ratings and reviews to get shouted on this show. If you're not live on YouTube or on the chats and so to speaks like that, uh, of course, five-star ratings and reviews help a lot. And you can check the timestamps as you can if you're watching in the YouTube version in the future, not a part of the live audience. I add these after the show. I record them. And I'll get you guys more detailed timestamps so you can skip ahead and, you know, suffer with my voice less. Um, but, yeah, we had a... Uh, uh, rounding the shouts and in, into last week uh, to kind of work backwards here. Um hope you guys at least I didn't leave you hanging last week at least and on the week off uh, despite the craziness and whatnot I've been I've been doing been doing my you know doing as best as I can despite the hurdles and this and that this is the first actually uh, show on a new machine so this is pretty cool I didn't I, I still haven't had time to like uh, um, uh, bust open this or some other things that were like you know kind of a Black Friday-ish although this is actually got before Black Friday because uh, the Macs uh, released their new model so there was a lot of shakeups and uh yeah just so i'm just still doing upgrades to be honest but i should be able to finally use that air quote new camera that i bought like two years ago with gambling winnings to, to get that like youtube look so maybe maybe my next week but yeah still still uh, upgrading slowly but surely still using the winnings and stuff and reinvesting right back in the show and still hitting you guys at the top fives as i did last week uh so it was the top five i can't even remember these shows anymore man uh shout out to my guy spencer who was like two shows ago for top five rematches that was fun that's right my guy miguel class of course top five body how did you forget about the body shots dan uh, so much stuff going on. Apologies, but yeah, they're, they're, I'm gonna have the uh, elongated article dropping at Junkie in the coming. Um, and then before that, of course, it was Bellator 301. They had their last show. We just went one and one on that uh, with uh, 
you know, I, I should have not taken the, the air quote value shot on Pettis despite the pick being mixed for the reasons of the back exposure. Like, again, I said I should have listened to, but um, I, again, I did always never be afraid to fade public money, folks. You know, you're not going to win them every time. Of course not. You cannot expect that. But <clears throat> even me, even this year, we've been having a lot of lessons of the, you know, fading the public as far as backing veterans because, you know, death taxes and MMA gambling and MMA gamblers just getting, you know, their dick soggy over anybody over 33 years old. <laughs> We're fading, young TikTok generation. Uh, yeah, you're a boomer, Dan, so what are you going to say? But, yeah, so we went one and one because I, I did catch Stotts, of course, who, again, another one of my favorite things, too, you know, um, giving underdogs odds on the guy, on the rematch and the guy who won the first, or the fighter who won the first fight, especially when it's not, like, forever later, you know? It's, like, still within relevant timing. It's like, thank you, I'll take it. Um, but, yeah, I don't I actually don't have the results up there, so we'll skip down to UFC. We went 8-5-1 uh, and one overall. Um recap UFC um one two and one in straight plays one and one in totals one for six in round flyers oh three and one we keep getting like pushes and shit for our round robin it's weird um and then oh, that means of course oh and one for the long shot parlay so Bellator we, 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 small profit point 22 22 ducats and then we lost point twenty three ducats at UFC the next night, so we just ended up like on a big roller coaster, uh, just to be minus a dollar for the weekend. So I will just be happy that I got it alive, because like I tweeted, there's no complaints. You know, there's bad beats, but there's bad bets, and I made plenty of bad bets. I went against rules of betting against like the smaller, uh, the grappler, the superior submission grapplers in the smaller cage, um, fighters on my no bet list. And so on and so forth, as I'll just quickly run through results. Of course, uh, Brandon Allen defeated Paul Craig. Uh, the over was my best bet. Again, the biggest bets of the night tend to hit more often than not, thankfully. So at least I'm not too crazy win, lose, or draw. Uh, and, of course, the Scotty Pippen round three. Thank you. I'm glad to see that catching on. I'll definitely retweet anybody given the Scotty Pippen round three shots, especially when, or just, the, you know, the Scotty Pippen flyers when the .33 units hit, right? Um, of course, that hit for Brandon Allen in uh, round three. So that um, definitely stopped the bleeding. Otherwise, it would have been um, a, a, a crappy night. Uh, Michael Morales defeated Jake Matthews. Jake, Jake Matthews. Jake Matthews. I didn't watch too much of this one. It felt like Jake Matthews was actually, you know, fighting pretty, pretty decently. But uh, you know that that athletic opportunism. Um, there's still a lot of development, so I don't want to say too much. But at the same time, uh, shout out to my guy Fanyo. Uh, I did catch the early prelims podcast this week, as you should every week, folks. Uh, Fight site podcast feed. Um, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of his style. Um, yep. Uh, this was a big miss. A Chase Hooper defeated Jordan Levitt. Um, it was just kind of a silly fight, I guess. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I, it just was a, you know, as a, I don't know if it was so much of a, it's a bad bet that I put any money on this fight, to be honest. But, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, when Jordan Levitt, they said he was having this kid kind of, you know, while he's walking out, I'm like, oh no, is his, his, his head even in it? And it was, um, and not that I want to compare myself to a UFC fighter, but it's very similar grappling styles because we have the same coach. And uh, my God, and it, it makes sense for me to get caught like that because it's Dan Tom here, right? But like uh, going turtle and like, take, you know, I, I go for Petersons a lot and sometimes you're a little too obvious with it. 
you don't have their weight on you and their your 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 uh, arm hooked around their elbow to kind of secure the uh, fat man roll, as uh, my guy Ed Gallo calls it, which I you know bums me out because like, that's one of my best moves and it's called a fat man roll. Oh, great, um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Uh, you can have the guy, you know, an opportunistic grappler can, you know, uh, follow follow with you, stay on your back, take your back. And especially if you have that kind of pause delay that um, Jordan Levitt has on some of his single leg penetration shots to even moments in a scramble. And in, in this game at that level, that that's all you need. Uh, so uh, that was a wrap. Uh, Peyton Talbot defeated Nick Aguirre. I don't really remember, even remember watching this one too much. Uh, Amanda Ribas went off on Luana Pinheiro. That that seemed like real fun. Shout out to my guy Clint. I'm gonna be doing his show next Monday. But uh, he had a nice grouping. You know me. I I I I I've been weird about these groupings. And then when they hit, I'm like, okay, cool. You know, sometimes they're not the sexiest. You know, they don't pay off the sexiest. Sometimes they just kind of like save you as a design, and you can just be happy. Um, but I forget what Clint had. But he had a sweet grouping on this one. Um, we had like Rebus round three live, and then had like an under that still hit. I don't know, but I, I always love when people uh, are able to hit cool stuff like that. Um, Minty Betts, uh, oh boy, oh boy, uh, defeated uh, Euros Medic. I know I didn't have much to say about him on the podcast, but again, that's why I always say refer to my quick picks and prognostications because um. Yeah, that, that, that was kind of what I said, uh, you know, on as far as that article goes, probably going to survive the storm. I don't usually use high percentage wrestling choices, unless I'm talking about like Usman, but I did with Oral Boy, and, and sure enough, it showed up there. Uh, you Anderson Brito just feel good, you know, we, we hit this one, uh, this dog shot, and it just felt good, just because, uh, you know, Jonathan, nothing against Jonathan Pierce, but that's just, you know, talking crap, do something, do something, and Anderson Brito did something, and it went balls is hot, that was great. Miss Jose Johnson versus Chant Ann Helliger, didn't watch Christian Leroy Duncan versus Dan T. Lulin. Um, I even miss Mick fucking parking. <laughs> Sorry, my English listeners there. Uh, Kyle Machado, uh, Jekka Seregi. I did catch that knockout over Lucas Alexander. That was sweet. Uh, didn't watch Alien Perez versus Lucy Puddle of Love. Trey Ogden versus Nicholas Mata. Of course, I bet on my guy Mata, but again, you know, I, I keep that same energy. Uh, I, 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 you know, I didn't feel great about, um, getting a push, uh, because, you know, I, I felt for, uh, Ogden better is there. Um, and Ogden himself, obviously, mainly <laughs> the fighter. Um, that was uh, that was kind of trash how that shook out. Um, was cool to see Mata back in the gym though. I think he was in there and like th- he was like one of the only fighters I saw in there. Like Thanksgiving, not that there, there are fighters in there on Thanksgiving, but um, gym was technically closed, so you know some of us weren't supposed to be there. But yeah, it was he was he was on there working the treadmill, just things you don't see. You know, they, you could just like, you forget, man. It's not that you have a game next week. They gotta like this stuff sticks with them and. You know, it looks like he's he's trying to stay ready, which you know, um, you know, he he should be, you know, in this climate, right? Uh, Rafael Estevan defeated uh, Charles Johnson. Um, oh, that was such a pain. Again, that was my middle bet. Like, why did I bet Charles Johnson? I, I I set this up again. Like, whether I bet him or bet again, it's just every time. And then not only that, with my weird subjective sample size of betting uh, aside, uh, there's just also the frustration of Charles Johnson not turning it up in round three when he needs to, when that is clearly what needs to happen and clearly should have been known what the style dynamic presented at the matchup uh, beforehand as well. Uh, the coaches sure as shit knew. The coaches were just screaming. So, uh, so yeah, all right, that's uh, that. I'm um, going to clean up the uh, chat real quick and then we'll move on. 
Uh, Rain Lamina, Chronic Combat Conversations, had M- Mike's MMA picks. It was an awesome show. And most of the PNYM boys came into the show support. You guys are awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Shout out to those guys. Shout out to Mike as well. And the uh, Chronic Combat Conversations guys. I screwed up the shout out at the end of the last show, but at least I, I called myself out on it prior. So hopefully people know when I'm talking between the, the Chronic Combat Conversations and the Combat Chronicles, uh, Kyle Mack. Uh, Lamar Sworn been a subscriber for a while. Just dropping to say thank you. I haven't seen uh, I haven't seen this uh, name, so I really appreciate it. It's good to know you know people are listening, and I really appreciate that positivity and the uh, calories spent to uh, to let me know that. Uh, Sinker Wing death taxes and wrestle boxers dipping into the power side. Oh yeah, it's not just ghost saying that. The boys in the PYN comments say it all the time. Nice. I'm glad that's spreading around. That that's actually actually making me happy. Um, you know, not not many things I can take credit for spreading around in this space. You know. Um, I feel like the Robin Blacks, the Jack Slacks, all the people that have been like doing it like before me and been doing it forever, uh, they're usually the ones that will kind of uh, permeate the space with a lot of language. Why I try to keep my filter clean and whatnot, but uh, it's cool if uh, you know stuff I say catches on too. Hey, uh, Jimmy Kudo, are you a fan of parlays? Question mark. Are those scary from a gambling perspective? Uh, Synchro asked Mike MMA picks. And he said a lot of things have to go right, and that's why he hates parlays. It, it definitely does, and um, you know. But you know, even if it's not your style, uh, like uh, Luca Fury we had on the show was saying, he's like, you know, you could still make money off. You could still be profitable off it if you know uh, you have a good edge. And what's your edge? Well, knowing what you're watching, and you know, uh, you guys are really kind to me and all, but you guys are honestly a really, you know, I, you know. Obviously, we've got analysts like ghosts, but not not even just talking about like ghosts and stuff. Like a lot of you, a lot of you guys are really sharp with the comments that I read week to week, and uh, not encouraging you to gamble. I'm just saying that you'd be surprised on what kind of edges you have from following the sport. Is what I'm trying to say, and that is kind of what makes it. Is there's no hard and fast rule for anything in life, especially MMA gambling, but playing to your edges. And sure enough, I was scared of that parlay that week, and what 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 hit? You know, off record, of course, and I didn't track it. But I did say it on the show prior, did make the picks, and I did, you know, play it, um, and it and it hit, right? So, you know, it can hit. It's just, you know, how how crazy do you want to get with it? All right, uh, I'm going to push on. I already can feel my uh, bladder fighting, so I'm going to try to speed through. Dude, I, I had to step out of the hot yoga class for the first time in like 10 years. I know there's like a big gap in between that, so it wasn't like I was going 10 years straight. But I'm really good, in shape, out of shape, or whatever, about not getting out of the hot room. But you know your boy's bladder. Oh, my God, that I just have to... F- and pee and uh so i but i at least waited from like to the middle of the class when you have a little inter- intermission and uh and then the uh the yoga teacher was all it was all said something passive aggressive like thank you if you didn't have to leave the room i'm like oh really fucking passive aggressive jesus uh as in, i don't know some of these some of these yoga teachers are just uh, the dudes are surprisingly are pretty, pretty, pretty cool. They they've been running some good classes. Uh, some of the you wouldn't expect it. I, I I'm more of a fan of the ladies usually, but uh, I mean some passive aggressive ones there. Sorry, I'm I'm just talking shit as I pull up uh, Amazon reads. If you want to support this here show, you can either go to the super thanks, super chat. Um, as you guys see, I, there's no exclusivity. I'm gonna read your guys stuff anyways. It's just more of a way so you can get priority or show your support. You can do it post-tense, too, if you you know, uh, any of the gambling tips uh, hit, and you're like, oh, thanks, Dan. You want to come back and like throw a ducket or something, you can do that. Of course, there is secure PayPal links. You see my te- uh, my social media tag here, at DanTomMMA, where you can find me on most social platforms. The artist formerly known as Twitter, while I'm still there, uh, and attached to my library, syncing to it like the captain of the Titanic, syncing with the ship. 
uh, or, or on Instagram, really, are the main two places, if I'm being honest. Um, but yeah, uh, there are link trees where you can have secure PayPal donations, as well as MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, which is my website, the website that supports this year's show. Go to MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. You just scroll down to the right, maybe toggle if you're on the mobile, and you will see a PayPal link. Below that, you will see uh, Amazon and Onyx click-throughs if you shop at either of those. And if you click through those links, it takes you right to the site. You just do your normal shopping, nothing extra. You leave, close your windows and tabs like normal, and whatever you buy, a small percentage of that at no extra charge gets kicked back to this year program, and it really helps. If you do it through the Amazon link, it'll actually tell me what you bought. Don't worry. None of the links, including the Amazon link, gives me any of your personal information, not even your name. So if you want to have a David Carradine one night in Bangkok, we'll see if we have some dirty purchases, as our chat may have teased. Appreciate you guys spreading the word to help support the show. Uh, there is This is a judgment-free zone, as you guys know. There is no judgment. I will you know, make poor attempts at humor to pontificate amongst your purchases, but that's about it. All right, we've got a... Uh, let's see here. Da, 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 da. Let's go from date range... Uh, last week boom all right all right we got a nature vet digestive enzyme plus probiotic supplement that one doesn't sound too dirty but i appreciate whoever bought that um someone bought oppenheimer on 4k is that pre-so is that already out i i, I missed it in theater i was just been I don't know. I and then it had like a lot of hype on it, and then my contrarian mind was like, ah, "I can wait till later. I don't need to be fucking jerking off over the Oppenheimer." And then I'm sure it's great and whatever, but I'm just you know, fucking Dan Tom here. Thank you for buying it, whoever that was, though. You know, 4K version. I'm sure that's nice. Um, Iron Seals Tactical Mole Foam Cover. All right, that's not too. I, I thought I was gonna get into something dirty there, but no, no. That sounds pretty cool, actually. Um, someone else bought more case stuff. iPhone fit case for iPhone protein, uh, Pro Max, uh, 15 Pro Max. How are those iPhone 15s, by the way? Let me know whether you that was you who bought it or if you just have one. Is it worth upgrading? I got the, I got the 13 Pro Max or whatever, and I'm, I'm fine with it. Like, I'm not trying to upgrade anything right now, believe me, but just curious if that's even, like, worth it. I remember hearing something about one of the upgrades I didn't like, and I never fell back up. Somebody bought another military-grade thing. That was pretty cool. I'm um, going to go to the next uh, page here. Last seven. To get updated with this week. And we got ScanDisk Extreme Microsoft XD Memory Card. Um, yeah, not seeing anything dirty this time unless I, I didn't go back far enough. So I'll uh, double back some other time to make sure. Uh, another way to support the show, though, if you go to uh, podcast for your audio listener, uh, five-star ratings and reviews. Um, five-star ratings are really helpful, so appreciate those. Uh, if you don't want to write anything, just go ahead and click the five stars. It's free. It really does help a lot. Um and even though, uh, you know, trolls have died down, uh, it seems, but, you know, not that I really pay attention, but, you know, uh, you know, we're still recovering from damage mode earlier in the year when we got hit. So, uh, I think I know this is maybe Isaac Spooner, Isaac CRS, Isaac RS. Uh, most dulcet tones in MMA, Dan's analysis and picks are solid and well thought out. I enjoy the unfiltered stream of consciousness nature of the show. Um, the uh, good, let me see, sorry. Good guests and top five episodes as well. Plus, the intro music is always fire. Thanks. Uh, I'm going to change it up again for this one, if you've already heard, if you're listening into the future. Um, 
Hung Solo 7. I really like that nickname. Smart, but not too serious analysis. Seems like a good dude. Worth listening if you're into MMA gambling or just watching MMA. I appreciate that. That's honestly, I can't ask my, can't, can't ask for much more. Um, Dan Tom is the MMA analyst. Uh, Herbish86. Dan Tom provides the best fight anal analysis in the game. Compared to Dan, other analysts is basic at best. I don't know about that, but I appreciate you being kind. Uh, that's me interjecting back to his. Uh, there's levels to this game, and when you listen to Dan Tom breakdown technique, it's truly mind-blowing. Come for the analysis, stick for the references. I appreciate that. Uh, great show, says uh, Ghost from YouTube. Hey. Uh, awesome show and great analysis. The habits of the fighters you break down. Um, come for the picks and prognostications and to see if any of the bets you like to tail. Stay for the impressions of Devin Clark's dad, David. Uh, to hear him say Tanner Bo Tanner Bowser. Appreciate that from Aces Up Doc. All right, that that that, that catches us up on the uh, uh, five star ratings and reviews. Appreciate you guys uh, suffering that out for me. Um, Jimmy Kudo says, "Hey, digestive enzymes. That was my dog who has been eating plants. Oh, let me know how that works because my dog tries to do that eating plants thing when they have the sensitive stomachs because like box, it's the typical boxer thing." Um, I've been giving them some probiotic treats to try to help that, but, you know, uh, we'll see. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. i got to clean this up before we go. Uh, Makatsu Kaya Goku. Oh, thank you, Dan. I don't think of myself as an analyst. Really appreciate the shout. Not just me and all the POM boys. Of course, I appreciate you guys and gals. Uh, Synchro Wing, yeah. Based. Thanks, Dan. I'm not your... Uh, I'm not on your level or even ghost level, but thank you for saying that we are sharp as well. My personal experience, it helps to listen to people like yourself. Oh, well, thank We all help each other. That's how life should be, right? So, uh, ghost, I am not, I am the one who bought the 15 Pro Max case. I went from iPhone X last week. Oh, sweet. Let me know how you like that. Um, digestive enzymes. 15 Pro Max is pretty cool. Okay. All right. And you are already clearly putting work on that that I see, so I, I appreciate that. Go follow my guy, uh, Ghost, on Twitter, by the way. I retweet his stuff a lot. So if you're following me, just scroll down my timeline. You will, you will see Ghost. Yeah, battery life. Yeah, that's one thing that's going on mine right now is actually is the battery life. It was really good, and now, like, yeah, I feel like it hit a jump. Uh, this thing's pretty sweet, though. I'm, I'm not even plugged into a battery right now. I'm at 93%, um, and I'm, my fan's not even going. Um, uh not the max but i got the pro the uh, m3 here it's pretty cool and it is black you assholes in the reviews <laughs> it's black enough all right settle the fuck down uh all right 25 minutes let's get the fuck to this breakdown how about that dan yeah all right let's go ufc fight night uh who the fuck is it <laughs> dare you for sarukian ufc and espn 52 ufc austin um I'm going to give you guys what I got. It's mainly on the main card. That's where mainly the action is going to be, to be honest. Um, so, uh, yeah, we will go uh, here to four. Um, best fight odds is all over the place, so you have to excuse me. But, yeah. All right, we've got a headline. Armin Sarukian, minus 310. Benil Dariush, comeback, plus 250. Jesus Christ. So, Dariush actually opened a slight favorite. And money has come in on Sar Sarukian. Which makes sense. You can argue that Saryukian should be favored. Uh, you don't have to make that much of an argument if you were to get that plus near even money and just kind of pushed in on that. Um, you can easily show your work, which I will give my analysis as far as the way Saryukian wins because I, I this is one where I kind of fortified on this fight. 
um, as far as, you know, playing both sides, so to speak. But I put my name, I committed to the ballsy pick, uh, which is the dog in Dariush. Um, now, from a betting side, you know, I saw him almost at plus 270, but I, uh, but I was already, I already pulled the trigger at plus 260, spoiler alert, which looks like a pretty decent line. You know, I'm not a big CLV guy, and I miss CLV for a bunch of other things that I really wanted, so we'll see. Uh, so, you know I mean? I'm not going to bump my chest too hard either way. Not that I do. But, uh, yeah, I took Dariush for a unit, and basically I played Sarukian for some Scotty Pippins in three, four, and round five. Um, <clears throat> how I see this fight going down, again, um, even though it's not crazy for Sarukian to be favored, I don't think he should be a three-to-one favorite at this point. Um even though he's not as experienced as Dariush. He technically has more five-round experience, albeit one fight. Um, and regardless of that one fight, if we saw it or not, most of us would still project him to do better as far as the long-standing race of stamina, right? Uh, output and stuff in later rounds. He's a high-output guy, and he's able to keep it up with wrestling and striking and interchanging in between. It's very impressive. You know, his athleticism and his pacing, to me, are the clear edges, but... I don't know how how clear other edges if we're really being honest, right? Like, well, what about wrestling? Like, okay, he's got a he's got an edge in wrestling, um, offensively, definitely uh, defensively, perhaps. Although Dariush technically has the higher uh, takedown defense percentage. You know, you guys know I'm not a big numbers guy, but that does mean something. And more importantly than the numbers, when you actually go look at Dariush. He, defensively and offensively, he's always had really underrated wrestling. It was something I, I remember really. Not that I didn't notice it, but I remember really kind of emphasizing it in my own analysis ahead of his rematch with Carlos Diego Fajeda a few years ago. Um, because, you know, going back to rewatch that one, I forgot how much wrestling was key in that one. You know, when he fought these fellow jiu-jitsu guys, even he, how much of the wrestling was was, was the difference. Um, as it often is in the, in the higher ranks, you know, even if you're just like straight... Uh, straight as opposed to what gay gi jiu-jitsu even if you're just like strictly trained gi jiu-jitsu um you know you say once you get to brown belt like or you're trying to get to the brown belt like you better uh, that you better have, have you know given up on just being solely mr guard person like you have to incorporate some type of wrestling you know what i'm saying like you really do especially as the game evolves uh, much less when you have no gi mma with strikes so forth um and dariush has always had a really underrated wrestling as well to go to go to boot with that d defense rate and again watching the tape because numbers don't represent everything even looking further when he is taken down he is really quick to attack you know um not so much the arm bars and triangles that he would get in his early mma days and on his competitive jiu-jitsu circuit days uh he of course kind of evolved with the times which is nice to see as far as being really educated with uh leg locks uh inside outside ashi positions having the right defense when he's in these positions um, and, and I, 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 I've actually been taking a lot, like going, moving backwards in a certain leg lock positions. Like I've been doing that a lot too. Um, especially cause a lot of the, half the time I'm still grappling with wrestling shoes on. And so people, it's like, it's just like a, it's a magnet. People are just going for my legs. Right. Um, and if it's, if it's not a clean spin out where I've really hurt my knees before doing that as well, without wrestling shoes, mind you, getting caught in the bad jams, um, yeah, like getting your foot flat, walking your base backwards, getting yourself on top, rocking over heavy. You have to cross your legs and so forth. Like he does all these things. And I've actually looked at Dariush's game to really try to help guide my own silly game. Um, and uh, and yeah, so it's not that he can't be dominated. If, you know, uh, Sarukian is good enough to stay out of, 
you know, even if you can't get a lot done or even definitively win rounds according to how the criteria is written. We are in Texas, though, folks, by the way. So perhaps broad grappling pressure and broad pressure is still enough, right? You know, um, we've seen that, sadly. Um, you know, but, uh, and I'm not trying to shit. Like, there's, there's really, there's very competent judges uh, that work. Shout out to my guy, uh, Aaron, Aaron Menard there, uh, who does refing and, uh, and judging. Uh, there's a bunch of other people from Texas as well that was at the most recent ABC commission. So I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not trying to crap. There, there, there are plenty of people doing a better job. And in fact, I'm going to play into that for some plays coming up folks here. Um, or some, some potential flyers, um, things I've been talking about to kind of, uh, plan and season previous episodes, maybe we'll pay them off and hopefully they'll get paid off. But yes, not trying to broad blanket trash, or, you know, any kind of judging or anything, but yeah, these are things we need to be aware of, especially if you're gambling, right folks, these intangibles. Um, but yes, even if Sarukian isn't able to like clearly secure rounds, if he's able to keep activity up, which I think is his best path, then I think maybe he could open things up in rounds three, four or five. Um, Darius has like, he looks like he's tired all the time. But he has one of those things where he's like he's constantly recovering, like like Dominic Cruz minus looking agile and light on his feet. You know what I'm saying? Like where Dominic Cruz is like <sighs> he almost looks like he's gasping at the end of rounds, but then he's like back and he's fine. You know, um, it's one of those constitutions. That being said, even though I trust it and have stopped doubting Benil so heavily in three round fights, especially after seeing what he was able to do with Gamrot for three rounds, right? Um, <clears throat> It's uh, it's it's not something that you know, especially as he gets older. Here, he's in the advance. Is, you know, he's definitely you know, uh, he's cro he, you know, he, he, he's he, he's just coming down from prime into post prime here, right? Uh, Thirteen to fourteen year mark post prime, right? So uh, coming down that stretch where he still has a lot to offer, but yeah, I mean, even ignoring the gray hairs, he's thirty four. He's not as old as he looks. People in the betting market acts like he is, but but yes, he is. He is getting into his post. He's clearly into his post prime here, but like, there's still key words some prime there. Um, and again, Benil from he's not as athletic as Sarukian, not as good of a pace, but he's very deceptive in these areas. He's very deceptively strong in these areas too. Um, so that's kind of how I see the grappling. That being said, I don't see either guy getting a finish on the floor unless they're compromised first. So for Benil, it's going to have to be a club and sub, I think, even though Sarukian will give the back. Um, I, I just feel like uh, I just feel like Dariush, um, even if he does get the back, I don't know if it's necessarily game over, not because Dariush isn't good from there. He's really good from there. Uh, but I'm also giving Saryukin some credit. I got to imagine, you know, training, whether it's with, uh, you know, multiple camps with Pahumpa, Marcos Tamada, uh, training with Glaison Tebow, you know, for this camp. I know Tebow is older, but, you know, shout out to the lightweight goat, Glaison Tebow. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like, you know, that, you know, I got to imagine, you know, he, at American Top Team, he's getting better with his submission defense. And again, with Benil, um, who controls Benil, right? You know what I'm saying? Much less uh, outside of a, a weird fight, an opportunistic sub, uh, which was a Michael Chiesa who would was like trying to hold his shit in, which was really weird. That that fight down at lightweight, like outside of that weird sample size, like Darius has never been subbed. He's never been controlled. Like the most control time he's given in a fight was a fight to like Evan Dunham that draw, but that was a fight where like he gassed himself out, you know, uh, going for the finish. Uh, Dunham underrated, especially toward the back half of his career, wasn't getting credit. Um, also, uh, a much better wrestler than giving credit for, Ty, 
teamed up with Kyle Griffin at that point of his career and quietly really improved his wrestling Dunham, who already had good jujitsu, And most of that control time was against the cage anyways. Um, again, like if you actually go and watch, not just look at the stats, you go watch the footage, like who is actually controlling Benil? So it's essentially scrambles and striking. And even though scrambles can tire Benil Dariush, uh, scramble, scrambles uh, Sarukian also opens his back up and scrambles. So there's a give and take there. So now we, for that long-winded analysis that I've grouped and talked about, let's kind of focus it in now to the striking, which I think is going to decide this thing. And, you know, I was really high on Sarukian, and I've been really high there. This is the first time I'm picking against him. Uh, you can track back to years even before the Ma- Ma- Makachev fight, you hear me talking about this guy saying, you know, I'm picking Makachev, but tr- it's, he's not going to get it done inside the distance. It's going to be a competitive decision. Um, and, and so even before the Makachev fight, I was saying, watch out for this dude. And I was calling him the dark horse and this and that. And I know a lot of people in the analyst community, people I respect even, weren't too high on him, you know. Um, not putting his game together, a little bit too back foot, even though I feel like he's gotten more aggressive and he's gotten better at pressuring in recent performances. Um, that being said, and I don't know if it's for the same reasons, I try to you know keep my filter clean um, and whatnot, but, and, and, and perhaps it coincides with me picking against the guy, I guess, but like, yeah, like I, I, watching the last fight, even though I got both their last fights right, and I, I you know, I, and now I'm picking the opposite, right? I picked Dubronx in round one, I, I, I faded Benny. Now, now I'm supporting him in a not popular spot. Which is you got to be able to do that, and it doesn't mean I'm going to be right. But these are the, these are the, these are the, the things you have to be able to. Yeah, you got to be able to jump off the trains, on and off the trains. You know, from a gambling perspective. And with uh, Sarukian against Joaquim Silva, I picked him uh, by. And I know he was a big favorite, so this that one this one's not as impressive. At least Dubronx was a dog. Uh, but I did pick round three. You know, and uh, I'm inside the distance in round three to get you know even to plus money uh, angles on Sarukian. That being said, when I went back to watch that fight, I really didn't like it. Um, I know he's thrown axe kicks and weird stuff before, and I know he's kind of lacked setup for his power side kicks uh, before Saruki, and obviously has much better kicks off the lead side. Uh, a lot of Russian or Eastern European style or trained kickboxers tend to punctuate well off their lead side. Um, I know he's Armenian, you know, trained with a lot of... Uh, Russian and Eastern Bloc fighters. I guess I'm just lumping in. I'm sorry, but uh, but yeah, like uh, you know, what I know, what I saw in this last fight though was like I liked it better. It almost looked better when he was coming out of Tiger Muay Thai. I don't know who he's not Tiger Muay Thai. Um, sorry. Uh, well, yeah, I guess it was Tiger Muay Thai, but you know, it was with the Higman brothers initially. It was before Bang Tao, right? Um, and I liked that version of his striking better, almost. Um, you know, whereas this was he was like. You know, he he, he do, doing something that even you know even my crappy ass was like beating myself up for where you kind of just like walk into the clinch and you kind of just get late you kind of almost zombie in, and sometimes it's a habit of you're trying new things, and I get that, but man he was cruising for a bruising well before Joaquin Silva attacks him in round two or three and busted him open. Now Joaquin Silva's not a southpaw, but what's also of note about that drop is that it was a left hook, it was a left hand, right? Because um, he kind of falls into that left side, um, you know, death taxes and left side of strikes, the dipping, right? Uh, now, when he gets comfortable with southpaws, when he when I went back to the southpaw samples again, uh, Sarukian is one and one. 
<clears throat> but I also looked at the Garamot fight because Garamot also went southpaw a lot. And he gets better with his entries, you know. Like, he likes his open stance body kick like he does with the Garamot fight. But, you know, even looking at other fights like with uh, OAM, for example, <clears throat> he will double up. You know, he'll do the basic prod, 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 rear, prod, 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 rear kick, prod, prod. But then he'll kind of get more comfortable and he'll kind of throw the rear and then double up on the rear like a Volkanovski. And then change levels off to that kind of uh, weak side to get away from the power kick, which is really smart. And it would uh, it would it would certainly you know serve him well um, in this fight. Not that Dariush doesn't have knees or stuff that he can throw from that side, but Dariush is very strong from his left side, right? Whether it's his punch, his key, his knee, his front kick, or his tie kicks to the body and head, those are those are Dariush's main weapons. Uh, but luckily for him, those are the main lanes. Like I said, death taxes and wrestle boxers dipping in the southpaw power lanes, right? And uh, you see in the southpaw report I tweeted out, uh, you see all those close calls. And my guy Ghost, shout out to my guy Ghost. He actually had a thread uh, first of the week, one of the first ones I saw. He tagged me. I assume to give me credit, so I appreciate it. Of course, my OCD stuff per had to like... Throw the I gave him the retweets and the love that he deserves, but I had to like not read too deep into the thread or anything. <clears throat> but I knew exactly because uh, he's a smart he's a smart man, and you guys are smart people in the ch chat as well. Uh, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, and I know exactly what Ghost was talking about uh, just as soon as I saw the glance of him tagging me in that thread. Um, so when I went and did my own South Ball studies, um, I saw those as well, uh, definitely. And again, Saryukin, back to why I played in rounds 3, 4, and 5. He does get better as the fight goes on. But um, there, there are just some really you know, uh, bad in-baked habits. And I feel like Dariush is going to be able to be live for at least the first two rounds, if not, you know, halfway into the third. Um, so, uh, you know, part of me was like, do I, if I'm playing Dariush, do I play the under an association, under 3.5? And, you know, maybe you can double dip on rounds three and four if Sarukin wins in those rounds and you're covered for the Sarukin early stoppage. And if you're picking Dariush, I mean, you're essentially picking him to get it done by, you know, round three, right? Which is my pick inside the distance, knockout, uh, round two. Um, but the under is only plus 100. It's not as sexy. Um, you're not buying that much more coverage compared to what you're, you know, getting, uh, leaving on the table money-wise for the price. Um, and again, I'm picking Dariush. From a betting perspective, I don't even have to pick him to play someone who opened as a slight favorite and was, was now, you know, at one point plus 270, but I got him at plus 260. Like, yeah, no, let me just throw a unit on that because then if he wins, um, it's, you know, it's over a unit and a half profit after you give back the 0.99 units for the three Scotty Pippins, round three, four, five, Sarukian, right? Um, I think the lowest paying one for Sarukian. I think it was like eight or nine hundred. I'm gonna try to get a better line at. Uh, I'm waiting right now for it um, at BetMGM. I'm gonna see what they give. But I calculated this at the lowest line uh, that I uh, that's available to me, which is usually the lowest line that's available because I get crap numbers. And again, I always average and round down rather than rounding up. One of the few guys who do that. I know, right? Uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But no. Uh, but yeah, so I, I did it at a low number, I think like a plus 800 or whatever, something like low. And even that, um, I still, I think, still gets you like 1.3 units of profit, over a unit, maybe not quite a unit and a half, but close to it, after you give back the unit, you know, for Dariush and the other round props, vice versa. And then, of course, if Saruken wins in like round four or five, then it's, at, it's like a 
three unit profit in round four. And then, oh yeah, that's what it is. And then if he wins in round five, um, it's a five unit profit. So if I'm wrong, uh, you know, and Sarukin wins in his hot rounds, then um, I actually will, will make more money than being right. So uh, that being said, if Sarukian knocks Darius out early, which is a possibility, right? Uh, Darius has been knocked out with left hands. Sarukian, that left hook to Yagos, um, he's got strong left kicks. Um, it could happen. Or decision. Not Darius by decision we still cover, but uh, if Sarukian wins by decision is my main um, worry, but I don't... I don't know if we get that far, you know. Sarukin himself, another reason why I, I, I bet round three, because he he knows he needs to make a statement. You know, they keep he keeps getting these crap matches. And he needs to make himself undeniable. Again, you know, it's it's the brave Brazilians having to face him, or you know, the Middle Eastern facing the Brazilian, or the Middle Eastern guys facing each other. It's how it always goes, folks. Uh, I don't need to. I don't need to. Uh... <laughs> yeah, don't need to. Uh... You know, whether we're looking MMA or outside of it, we we know how it goes for certain folk, right? <laughs> um, Jesus Christ, ain't that the sad truth? Sorry, folks, it's it's pressing out there. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna be taking, I'm gonna be taking Darius. Hopefully, you know, he won't, um, you know, kill the buzz if he does win and start, you know, trying to convert everybody. It's not like at least he's, it's not like he's in Abu Dhabi this time, so it won't be super awkward. People will just be drunk in this case. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Maybe he'll ask for a Tesla truck or something stupid. But uh, I. Uh, I'm a I'm a fan of uh, Darius the fighter, and uh, even though I, I've picked against him uh, plenty, um, I also have picked him obviously as well. Um, shout out to my guy John John Rico, big big uh, Darius's biggest fan. So yeah, I'm taking Darius here. Um, da -da -da done. All right, we'll talk about that one next. Okay. Uh, da -da -da. You guys have some uh, questions on that one, so I'll just sneak those in real quick since it's apropos and then I'll I'll, I'll uh, shoot down the rest of these faster. But Kato Kayagoku, what do you think of Armin's lead left high kick against the southpaw? Might not be as valuable since Benil's lead shoulder is in the way? Yes, but also um, you could still get it there. Like uh, uh, Rashid Magomedov would, would throw would throw his in a certain way. Now I haven't seen Sorry, you can throw it, 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 it in that way where countering going backwards and whatnot or kind of giving it over the shoulder. Rosnami Yunus and Gaethje have similar versions of these where they kind of work it off the cross and they'll, they'll, it's almost like a check hooking like lead high kick, right? And Sarukian will throw stuff that doesn't make sense as far as kicks from that side. Like he, That's one thing I forgot to mention. He'll also throw spin kicks, but he throws it to the close side, which is weird. Like... Yeah, it's, he's still thrown to the liver side, which I appreciate, you know? Like, he, you could tell he really only likes to spin from that one side, um, which I do too. But again, as like as a guy who's open stance, who likes to throw that very same spinning back kick, granted, I'm coming from it backwards as a southpaw, but um, I don't throw as a southpaw. You think it would be more natural to, oh, spin, pivot off your right and, and throw to your left, you know? If you're not being picky about liver or spleen side, then that, that makes more sense. Like, no, no, that's the close side. And that's what Sarukian does the opposite way. Granted, the liver's on that side, but he, it's a little more closed off, right? It's a little more risky. He actually hits Gamrot with it. I actually put the one time it's successful. I actually put that in his highlight. But he missed about seven over the course of three fights prior. Or two fights prior, I should say. Uh, maybe three if I'm counting the prior examples within that. The Southpaw examples of said Gamrot fight. Um, but he'll do that, whereas, you know, uh, the, the way I've always done it, you know, from my Taekwondo days to my karate days to when I'm sparring even in MMA, um, because I'm throwing a lot of the rear left kick, if they move back 
and I want to kind of chase forward, um, that that kick, that knee, the front kick, the tie kick, or whatever, it'll turn into a step, and then you're pivoted to spin, especially if they're trying to spin out on you the wrong way, um, and you can kind of catch them. Uh, but uh, yeah, like Sarukian will do it with really high risk, little reward, and. I don't remember if it was specifically spinning to the close side, but, you know, Wyman Rockhold, Grasso, Shevchenko, like these are recipes for fight-changing disasters, right? So that's another thing. (laughs) That's another thing. Uh, Another reason, you know, and these are things we've seen, whether we've seen them happen in fights, whether we've seen Sarukian, you know, uh, be be one part of the example in it, or we've seen, you know, uh, Dariush be the example of what we're talking about. And that's what I base my fights off of, the evidence, right, how I'm going to pick it. So that's why I'm going with the underdog in uh, Dariush there. Uh, Drain Lamb and Dariush, very good and controlled. Top game, do you think it will stop the athletic scrambles of Sarukian? I mean, it could, you know, that, uh, even though, you know, again, Sarukian's a better wrestler, I would probably be more surprised to see Sarukian gain the same controlled sign him on the mat for the reasons I said earlier than Daryush, right? Like, I would be less surprised to see Daryush, even though it'd be more surprising to see Daryush get it there, perhaps, uh, if he were to control it there. Like, no, nah, I wouldn't be too surprised. Uh, Ghost says, Daryush has some pretty good outside trips along the fence uh, in the Fajeda rematch. Uh, he does. I believe you highlighted some of those. Another reason why you should be following my guy, uh, Ghost G eight or nine H six ST twenty one. I imagine it is a version of that on Twitter, or you can just go at Dan MMA and scroll down my timeline to find him. And something I really like, which I didn't show in any of my threads with Dariush, is his left uh, overhand into his left knee. Yeah, it's really, it's really excellent. Him and Trinaldo probably have the best ones at one fifty five. Really good. Really good move right there. Synchro Wing, I know Benil is annoying, but do you think that Benil versus Islam is a really interesting matchup? Just sucks that the UFC can't sell since Oliveira KO'd him. I do, actually. I do. And, you know, it's crazy. Obviously, I, I believe that Sarukian beat Gamrot, even though Gamrot has the W. We know Gamrot loses his way to victories. But it's weird. Uh, as much as I'm like Mr. Sarukian Dark Horse, don't sleep on Sarukian ahead of the first Makachev match. Uh, Sarukian beat Gamrot. Uh, Gamrot loses. Uh, uh, this all the, Gamrot lost to Turner. Gamrot lost to Sarukian. Despite me being that guy, I also think Gamrot has a better chance at Makachev than Sarukian. Um, I believe that Dariush has a better chance at Makachev than um, Sarukian. And just because it'd be fucking weird and hilarious. Uh, I would say that maybe Garamont has a slightly better chance, even though he sh- even though the evidence actually would show Dariush. Uh, not that either would matter, because they both would be big underdogs to Makachev, but I don't know. I Part of me was like hoping they were going to give Makachev or Gamrot a last-minute replacement, just because he's just so annoying to face. You know, Dariush was talking about it. He's like, he was my worst, hardest opponent, because I couldn't break him. And Dariush, like, dropped him at the end of round three, and he was glad it was over, he said. You know what I'm saying? So that, that says something, right? Uh, for what that's worth. All right, co-main event time. We have Jalen Turner, Mr. Turner, Mr. Turner, minus one ninety-eight. Bobby King Green plus one sixty-four. Says you can find him still at plus one eighty. I wish I could have found that number. Um, it was saying plus one eighty-five yesterday when I bought in, but at, at BetMGM. But all I could find was plus one seventy-five all day. So what the fucks up with that. Uh, but yeah, I, no surprise. I went with Bobby Green here. Um, 
again, death taxes and fading older fighters, right? Even if it's six days notice. Like, how many times do I got to tell you, tell y'all? And I know you're going to say, oh, but what was it, the prelim fight or whatever the other day, that fighter that came in on short notice and uh, you picked them. You didn't bet them, but you picked them. Uh, that was Arbar. Arbar, right? Yeah, that was Ar that was that was a guy who I'm pretty confident is going to end up being really good, who doesn't have to cut a lot of weight, hence he's going to be fighting at 155 and was already in shape uh, versus a guy who, you know, um, as of right now, I don't want to put anything on on the Alaska FC product, uh, Euros Medic, but yeah, you know, not the not the most impressive sample size and, uh, you know, hasn't uh, graduated out of the lower level echelon ranks yet. The lower level doesn't matter as much. It arguably matters more at the higher uh, higher level. You think, oh, well, well, the Volkanovskis, are, they're, they're better than the Oral Buys and Medicis, so I don't get it. Like, yeah, well, the problem is their opponents are better than the, than the guys they're facing, too. Their opponents are on the highest or the higher levels of what we're talking about here, even with uh, Turner and Green, right? Um, so, yeah, it actually, it actually matters in these scenarios, especially when weight cutting is involved, too. And, again, Turner is a guy that he's already... A, Due to outgrow uh, 155, it was a worry that I had with him uh, as far as why I was really just sketched out of that. And I felt round two was the hot round. And sure enough, both guys almost finished each other in round two in Hooker versus uh, Jalen Turner. So again, analysis wasn't too crazy there for what for what that's worth. I think that was my only plays. I think I just took flyers and both guys to win in round two. Hot round. Get your hot rounds, yeah? Um, and again, didn't cash, but at least I wasn't crazy. Uh, speaking of which, I may or may not have a... Uh, Patsy Klein <laughs> highlight. Who does an MMA highlight to Patsy Klein? Me, that's who. You can guess who it's going to be to and what song. But listen, um, this was also taking me so long this week. I went through like Bobby Green's whole shebang. Um, but yeah, like uh, the, the, the part of the reason why, not just because that was a crazy volatile matchup stylistically, but the intangibles of that matchup was, was something that I, I cited and I cited because, you know, it came straight from the horse's mouth, Turner himself, is that uh, his weight cut really depends on his performances. We've seen some inconsistent versions of Jalen Turner, win or lose, and he cites those to his weight cut. Now, he only, like, I think he's missed weight once, probably going to be twice by the time you guys hear this. We'll see if the match is still on. Hopefully he's not killing himself too hard to where we don't have a match. You know, I don't know why the UFC just didn't give this guy a catch weight. There's a whole politics, right? And I hated it because I, I, I feel like we're going to get another sneak attack Bobby Green, but then Turner's kind of giving away his cards at the UFC, you know, strong-armed him into showing up, which is nothing new, folks, by the way. And again, you guys want so many fights and this and that. It's like this is what we have to pay for. So I'm almost like that's what most makes me not excited. We're like, oh, it's a stacked card. It's like, you know, like, I mean, the people in the know, obviously, uh, but like, you know, like, like the UFC filtered podcast and stuff, they're like, oh, I don't know why this is a stacked card. Like, you guys don't know why? Really? You don't You don't know why? Because they actually have to try because there's an actual audience for this one because we've been doing fucking warehouse fights. Um, it's 2023 and like we're still having fighters go, oh, my last five fights with the APAC. This is my first one. In there's still like fighters who have yet to fight in a crowd in, in the UFC yet. Um, you know, it's it's pretty silly. But uh, anyways, but uh, neither here nor there, I guess. But like, yeah, like, um, sorry, I'm, I'm all over the place on this one, folks. I'm just trying to get through. Uh, but yeah, Turner taking the fight on six days notice. He's already due to outgrow the weight class. Yeah, yeah, his fights are dependent on, you know, how good his weight cut goes anyways, which scares me, honestly, just like betting Turner fights going forward at 155 because uh, I feel like he's 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 growing out of the division. Now he's going to fight on six days. Like, There's no way he's making weight. This is silly. I'm surprised the number of the line didn't flip at this point. You know what I'm saying? That being said, if this was a full camp, 
I'd be picking Jalen Turner. Bobby Green is four and six against UFC level southpaws. I tweeted out a pretty detailed southpaw report on him as well, on top of all the other Bobby Green stuff I've already done and the stuff I got coming down the pike. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of those were early in his career, short notice, uh, decided within the grappling context, yada, yada. But I did break down the more relevant striking samples of the back half, the good and the bad, right? And uh, his game essentially stays the same. Um, and he, he fights actually really well against southpaws, but at the same time, you know, there is classic southpaw stuff that bothers him. Now, kick's not as bad. Um, leg kick's more than you would think. But body and head kicks, he's actually the better body head kicker in open stance matchups. Uh, it's something that, you know, even myself being a big Bobby Green fan, I almost forget how much it is because it comes out way more actually in the... Uh, southpaw matchup so when i went back and just was strictly watching those first it really stuck out to me more um you know how much of an underrated kicker that he he is uh as far as the, the open stance goes and then he will close stance up as well um and he boxes and jabs well from those but obviously when you match the stance southpaw celebrate it uh i know how that is when an orthodox person tries to go southpaw with me, I'm like, thank you. I've been waiting to throw regular leg kicks like all the other bo boys do. I, you know, I feel like Pinocchio. I'm a real boy. Uh, and you get to you know throw the leg kick and stuff. Um, and then another thing I always talk about, uh, particularly in the southpaw versus southpaw mirror matches, is that the uh, left crosses become way more potent. Like People look dumb defending it, and I can tell you even the good veterans, uh, the pros out there, Probably feel dumb, if they're being honest, because there is something weird about a striking lane, whether you're a switch dancer, a dedicated southpaw, or you're switching to be cool. Your defense ain't as good, man. It's weird. You're not used to seeing that lane as much. And uh, you look at, you know, Dustin Poirier and some other people, you know, Trinaldo, the, the success in round one he has. Um, still think Bobby Green won that fight though, by the way. There's so many fights he probably should have won. But um yeah, that mirrored uh two is definitely gonna be there. Um he hasn't fought a lot of guys with a check hook, but you know, Coke hit him with a good one and just honestly it's not even the kicks. I think the kicks is jumping out to most people. Um, for Turner. Probably because of his length and stuff, and you know, we've still have that Dan Hooker head kick baked into our mind that's been floating around online from his most recent fight. But uh, it's it's actually Jalen Turner's surprisingly fast. Um, he's not just some long, tall guy. He's actually surprisingly fast, especially obviously in the first round. And he's got really quick counter triggers, really quick counter triggers, like good eyes and exchanges for that. Um, and I think those are what what's what's going to really wreak havoc on Bobby Green early. But if Jalen Turner can't finish Bobby Green um, or create a finish off of those, like a club and sub or put him out, uh, then I feel like. Jalen Turner's win conditions and chances of winning just in general dramatically decrease once this hits the end of the first frame. Not even the start of the second. Once it hits the end of the first frame, right? Um, I mean, you got to think this guy's just going to be killing himself to making the weight, ballooning back up right after. Uh, Bobby Green puts on a pace. He's a consistent body worker. He's only going to be working the body more because of the natural stance and because of the height. Now, Bobby Green, surprisingly, though he's fought everybody, has not fought a lot of tall or long guys as long as Turner. Turner does hit that six. He's right on that it's 71 to 76.5, I believe, or 77.5. So I believe it's right on that six-inch mark where the reach does technically make a difference. 
um, as far as like statistical uh, samples from granted you know, they're about almost a decade old at this point but you guys know you know we're talking about uh, fightnomics shout out to Reed but like yeah like so you know it, it's it's obviously measurable but Bobby Green was getting ready for Dan Hooker who is you know doesn't fight Southpaw as much but Hooker will switch stances and has that similar length so for what it's worth at least he was getting ready for that. But yeah, it, I'm gonna be clenching clenching the old b hole in the first round there for Bobby Green, but uh, you know, as, as he said, he was uh, we're both from San Bernardino. Of course, he dropped some n words in there, but he was like, he knows what time it is. Uh, and I just was laughing at that part where he was like, the way he said, uh, he knows what time it is. <laughs> I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> um, and then then Turner looked miserable. Like again, I'm surprised the line's not swinging more. But uh, you know, again. Um, uh, MMA gamblers, soggy dicks, over 33. We know how it goes. They're just not, they're like, they're, um, they're like, Jared, you know, <laughs> they pick fighters to bet on like Jared Fogle picks potential dates, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Too old! <laughs> sorry, terrible, Dan, that's awful! I'm sorry, folks, I'm sorry. I haven't slept much. You're getting raw and uncut. Jesus Christ. All right, phrasing. Uh, yeah, we're gonna go Bobby Green there. Um, I put 1.5 units on him at uh, plus 175. And here's what I'm waiting on. Um, I can get it at plus 1,800 at one house round three, but I want to get plus 19 or plus 2,000 potentially. So I'm going to wait to see what bet MGM drops and see if they drop a plus 14 instead of plus 1,000 for split decision because if it does go to decision, something went wrong. Judges hate Bobby Green on a, on a, a Bobby Green style on a good day, um, much less in Tejas. Um you know, you know what I'm saying? So some fuckery could be afoot there. So I, I don't blame anybody for those split things. Um, if I play those numbers, I'm going to play them at decent numbers, and I'm going to do a quarter unit apiece, so that'll equal two units of exposure total for Bobby Green. Um, but yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna pick Bobby Green for this one. Um, oh, oh, that's what, I was, that's what I was missing. So he is not beyond being hit from the southpaw stuff like i said in sight in my uh southpaw report if you want a, a visual to go along with this folks at dan tom mma on the artist formerly known as twitter um but ultimately regardless of the stance what really seems to be a difference maker especially in the finishes whether it's southpaws or not um is having cage corralling footwork to, to, to and good cage corralling footwork to guy uh, corral a guy like bobby green a and b uh, it has to be in conjunction with extended exchanges. You know, you look at both the times Poirier dropped them. Uh, you look at the you look at uh, the Dober progressions up until he finishes them. Um, these were the things. These were these are pressuring guys who have a career of pressure fighting. Um, have either decent or in Poirier's really good corralling footwork, uh, shifting footwork, right, and are really good at ex extending combinations like Poirier or. In Dober's case, you at least have the uh, stupid durability chin to uh, take the shots and figure it out the hard way and learn kind of, uh, you know, learn as you're going, so to speak, as he did in that fight, right? Figure it out as he was going with the help of his corner. Elliot Marshall, really good cornering in that fight. Um, and if you look at Jalen Turner, again, he's got these really sharp counters and that fast speed and those really good eyes in round one like I was talking about. But if you look at it, it's like one, one, two. Head kick, right? And these things alone could fuck Bobby Green up. They could win him the fight. Don't get me wrong. But none of those examples I just gave, none of those were, were extended combinations. I mean, they were barely combinations, right? 
I mean, these are these are you know, it's a you know, it's a two point one average, right? Uh, of shots he's putting together, not even three or four or five, right? And that's what you really got to do as far as extending the combinations and having that footwork. Whereas Turner, when he is, you know, you know, when he's got a guy on his heels and it's like he's not, you know, maybe facing, you know, the uh, you know, the best fighters in the world, which, you know, you look at his resume, he's not, well, you know, some of those guys, uh, even the really cool looking dudes like the Brock Weavers of the world, like, you know, like okay, maybe he was, you know, was able to pressure and kind of get the ball rolling on those fights. But in general, Turner's more of a stick and move, wait to see what the fight comes, let's feel it out, I'll counter you, um, let me get some reads, uh, and... That's kind of like Bobby Green's game too, you know. Like, don't get me wrong, Turner being as long and dangerous as he is, it's it's very dangerous to play that game with him. But at the same time, that's that's kind of Bobby Green's game. That's not the game that necessarily gets Bobby Green off his game. You got to pressure, footwork, extended combinations, and Turner at least reliably or consistently does not do those. Does he do it in instances? Can he do it? Sure. Sure, he's he's still young. He's gonna get better, folks. But he didn't have a camp. He was just skateboarding. And took this fight on like six days' notice. Bobby Green. All right. Um, I'll get you guys up to the main card. I just want to get through this. Uh, let's see who's next here. Um, Rob Font. Rob Fonch. Devison Figueroa. Figueroa. Uh, uh, Rob Font minus one thirty-five. Figueroa plus one fourteen. Um. Yeah, a little bit of money coming in on Figueredo, but not the line turning. I thought we were going to get down to even money, if not maybe a flip, because, you know, uh, maybe maybe Figueredo's aging out for all the Jared Fogle MMA gamblers out there. But uh, Figgy used to be the, the, the talk of the town. Like, this guy could barely make it to a fight without, like, you know, like, you know, uh, having to pull out from, you know, too many people giving him handies and stuff, because they just, like, seriously, MMA gambling community would just, like, they would just. Uh, sorry, uh, language alert. They come in their pants every time. They, they couldn't break them down. All they could do was come in their pants. Like I was like, hey, ever listen to a show? Didn't matter if it was good people, friends of mine. But, like all I'm hearing is people come in their pants on this guy. Like it was ridiculous. You couldn't even get like solid analysis. Of course, he was you know a really fun fighter uh, that that many of us were excited about. Especially if like you saw, you know his regional Brazil footage where he was fighting like even really wilder and weirder. That's where he kind of like stuck out. Also like a weird like kung fu style. Like I used to describe him as I'm like this kind of like kung fu or something. Like this is really weird. Like you go watch his uh, regional footage, right? Of course he steps it up from his debut, um, and then goes and trains with Team Alpha Male. Uh, has been working with Fight Ready. Um, you know, so uh, really improving his skills. But uh, between the weight cuts, having to face Brandon Moreno forever, it's hard to see where he's at. Uh, all we could really judge by were those fights, and it felt like, you know, uh, the weight cuts were half the battle, win or lose. Uh, they were weird fights, win or lose. <laughs> and they were inconsistent, you know. Some fights he's like, oh, he's on the calf kicks and the, the whole fight ready deal. Like, you know, like this is good. that he's, He took that kicking initiative, I believe, what was it, the second fight? Or no, uh, or no, no. Maybe Moreno took the, the kicking initiative in the second fight. Um, but yeah, like you know, you would just see kind of more more passive. You know, you you know, he was that indestructible uh, Figueredo in that first fight that he should have won. By the way, that was a draw. You know, he looks weird in the second fight. I, I got to go back and refresh the third and fourth. I'm in the middle of this right now. I actually just got done watching rewatching some Rob Font footage. Um, 
And I was in the middle of Rob Font versus Sanhagen. So the last of Rob Font. I was hoping to get this one out because, man, the dog shot definitely looks tempting, right? Um, and I'm not saying that uh, without the awareness of what it can do for, you know, not expectancy bias, but uh, what do you call? What's that? Confirmation bias, right? You like a number and you start looking for things to justify the number, especially when you make the bet. So I didn't do anything like make the bet, but I, I, I'm so sensitive and respectful of confirmation bias that I try not to even say to myself or allow that I'm leaning to a side. I want to run the tape first and then see what I say. But um, I will say that regardless of who I pick, even if I pick Figueredo and bet him, I'll be rooting for Font. Like, I'm a big fan of Font, big fan of Tyson Chartier and the New England cartel. Um, really solid little small team, you know, uh, that I just can't help but love. I, I, I don't feel like they get enough love. Um, and, uh, and yeah, man, they could, they could use some, they could, you know, I know it's been more of their lower end guys. I haven't been doing too well, but, uh, it'd be nice to see that camp get some success. Um, and, and remind the masses again, you know, another kind of, you know, y'all must have forgot TM, so to speak. Um, and, uh, it, it's weird, right? Cause you initially like, oh, oh, Rob Font, uh oh, wild, uh, marauding Brazilians. We, we know his history there. But if you look at it, he's actually like three and three against those guys, right? Like, you know, it's like we, we remember Lineker, we remember we remember Pedro Minas, right? We remember Jose Aldo. Um, but you know, you forget, you know, Marlon Vera, Tomas Almeida, and uh Douglas uh Dion Drugs, uh shout out to my guy Brazchuk there. Um, Douglas De Silva Deandrade, right? Uh, he did beat those guys. I know those are the lesser impressive names, and even those impressive names, if you put into context, you know, um, Almeida and Ver and Marais, you know, kind of punch their cards a little too hard. You know, uh, the Brazilian war horses getting in too many wars and kind of doing the opposite of the long-standing war horses where they kind of almost end prematurely because of the miles, right? Uh, I'm not trying to take away from those winnings or dump on those guys and take away from the win for Rob Font, but there was kind of that there, right? And I love me some Douglas De Silva de Andrade, but, you know... Yeah, as good and as underrated as he can be, he also has a, he also has a ceiling to him as well, right? So it's like okay, well he's three and three, but you know the three he won, there's that. Now from the woo woo superstitious perspective, he's went one win loss win loss uh, win loss, which means he's due for a win if we're looking at him versus Brazilians, right? Um, but of course that's not how we can break down fights. That is just kind of a funny thing to note. Um, uh, basically, this fight, this fight for me comes down to durability, you know? Um, is, 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 you know, is font durability, does it start to take a turn? Because, uh, you know, when is he due to take a turn, right? I mean, font, he, uh, he's been in a lot of wars, been doing this for a minute now. He's, you know, they're born in the same year, I believe, but, like, font has slightly more fights, uh, about a year, year and a half longer of fighting as a pro. Um, you know, in this situation now, he's cutting more weight, whereas Figueredo's not having to cut the weight. Does that help his durability? Because in that series with Moreno, his durability looked to be suspect too. Inconsistencies aside, and that was a that was a major problem because like his durability's always kind of looked insane, right? Um, for Figueredo. Uh, so does it get better? Um, and part of me wants to, you know. Still lean toward him. Uh, I'm going to reserve a pick. You guys got to check me on quick picks and prognostications, but I'll tell you, still tell you what, what give you a basic outline here. Um, again, it, it's durability, and, and, and the reason why I, I, 
I feel like I'm leaning toward him, but we'll see if I end up picking him. It's because, again, I know I've been calling for the Peter Yan fight since, like, late 2018. That's because... Oh, Figueredo was a, was a flyway. He didn't even win the title. Yeah, yeah, because even back then, I am not t- t- p- pumping me up. Anybody with two eyes, really, should see. The dude's a bantamweight. You know, Font's going to be bigger than him. Font's a big bantamweight, so that is kind of trepidatious, right? You know, you should be kind of... We should be smarter with our money, perhaps. Wait and see someone in a new weight class. Um, but then at the same time, he should be projected to do well in this weight class. This is the weight class he should be fighting in. He is older, but he's not... You know, uh, ancient yet. He's probably still has another at least a competitive two years, you know. Um, 36, 37 athletic outliers. 38's when you're really done, obviously, as a bantamweight, uh, no matter how athletic you are. But then on the other hand, right, again, back to where I said Font is a really big bantamweight, big fists. Uh, decent reach, you know, not like crazy reach on him. Um, just like a couple inches. Uh, I think they're like pretty much even in leg reach and only you know a couple inches shorter. Figueredo is five five to Rob Font's five eight. Um, but yeah, so the, the, those are kind of tricky how it lines up and durability because it's tough because obviously the jab and it was I think not so much the jab but also it was like the hooking and the countering nature of the jab you know um, whereas Font has counters. But they're more from his right hand, which are super freaking powerful, obviously. And he changes it to uppercuts and crosses. Whereas Moreno was more like a, a jab and then pull you into a hook or pull you into a counter or or hooking off the jab offensively coming forward. So there were different layers and different beats and that could really uh, force, uh, as I wrote my previous analysis, that really that dynamic really forced Figueredo to walk a fine line, right? Um how does that how does that fare with a bigger, longer, more powerful jab? That being said, um, you know, uh, they're both really durable, so it's hard to say. But like, I would argue maybe Moreno's more durable. I mean, you just see how much damage that guy's taken, and even though Font has taken an insane amount of damage, right, um, in his fights, and shows that he can still keep going. Um, it's it's body punching that that's strange and and Figueredo said something really smart. So part of me is like, oh, is he gonna wrestle on leg kicks because Rob Font jabs and wrestling Rob Font is still even with his improvements as a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu brown belt, it is still a pathway to victory for him and fight ready and some of their main tactics outside of good game planning with Santino DeFranco or Henry Cejudo's and the like. Eddie Cha, uh, you also get uh, you know uh, improved leg kicks, uh, improved wrestling, uh, certain things we notice uh, from kind of that the, the fight ready uh, camp, right? So um, maybe that's the obvious answer, and that would be nice because we know Figueroa can kick the legs, even though some some fights it felt like he forgot about that, um, and he does have underrated wrestling, even though you know he all, even though he also did, even though he felt like a natural bantamweight, he also felt like a guy who enjoyed muscling around smaller fighters so how much does he maybe enjoy or want to do that at bantamweight we'll, we'll have to see but honestly i think it's the body work um and it's something that he's always done really well with kicks and punches it's going to be really asking for it not just the legs but the body again a long fighter long stance um long jab uh, really get under slip around and rip in those counters right and figueredo i know you take interviews with the grain of salt but he said that himself and it's again something that I've noted in all you know any of my Rob Font breakdowns in the last few years is that the archetype that gives him the most trouble is fighters who can counter and consistently counter and work the body. 
And that is Figueredo. He does counter and he, he does work the body. Uh, I'd say he works the body more consistently than he works the legs. And uh, most of his counters are to the head. Um, and a lot of his, you know, setup shots and, and power shots are to that body. Um, and let's mix that in. Say if he's pressuring, and if he's pressuring, you know, we'll probably get an answer real fast on how his durability is going to hold up. But if it holds up, and he's able to hit Rob Font back, I think he can force that panic mode that we've seen in the Lineker fight, uh, the Pedro Munoz fight. You know. Um, you know, the Marlon Vera fight, you know, they, you bring that life or death out of kind of Rob Font, so to speak. And, uh, you know, um, if I did pick Figueredo, I would say it'd be round one or round two uh, submission, you know. Uh, it's like the guillotine, like similar to Pedro Munoz. He's got a really mean guillotine. I know Font's only been submitted once, but I honestly could see it going down very similar to that fight. If Figueredo, A, puts on that approach and B, is durable enough to... I think that's the major dynamic. We'll see what side I fall on, and even if I do fall on the Figueredo side, I don't know. I, I might, um, you know, only put a unit on him instead of the 1.5, or maybe I do put the 1.5 um, if my bankroll has the room for it on this card. Uh, regardless if I pick Figueredo or not, I think I may put Figueredo by sub on my round robin just cause it's it's sexy. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so that's kind of where I'm leaning. But check me on Fight Day, uh, MMAJunkie.com as well. Always on Fight Day for my quick picks and prognostications. Um, <clears throat> Sean Brady versus Kelvin Gastelum. Right, I did uh, some tape on this one earlier. There's not really much to put on, and I've already like, wasted so much time. Not wasted, but, you know, and it's not worth it to, to just clip the Kiesa fight. But, yeah, he's 1-0 against UFC level southpaws. It's weird in that fight, so not only, you know, which I get, and that's part of the reason why I picked and played Bilal, uh, for the pace, it was going to be a dogfight, he's going to fight for your money. Similar reasons here for Gaslam, I'm picking and I'm playing Gaslam, by the way, he may even be my best bet, because as I wrote down, something I haven't said in a while, and it bears worth repeating, because it, it kind of just alone justifies the play, but we talk about certain archetypes, right? Um, one of the few things, you know, you guys were saying, death taxes and, you know, uh, wrestle boxers, dipping into... Uh, Left kicks, which that dynamic is, is is at play, and I appreciate people crediting me for that one. The only thing I've I've heard the people say in the space that I think I might have said because I don't think anybody said it before me, um, but I went off, uh, especially because I was also one of the only people who really picked uh, Al Holloway to beat Aldo that I that I, I remember seeing, and even before that and that Holloway analysis and previous Holloway analysis is. I always refer to him as a builder, and I feel like that really caught on. I don't know, maybe the people have been using that. I look like a fucking idiot saying that. That's the only thing I feel like I've said that's kind of somewhat caught on or whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, as far as archetypes that I have been like really like swinging home and saying for years, like all the way back when Rick Story beat Tiago Alves, uh, that was a nice bet that cash. Uh, durable southpaws who can wrestle. Anytime you have a durable southpaw. Who can wrestle? And there's a plus money next to their name. I haven't done the study, but if there was one trend with a gun to your head, you better tell me one betting trend in MMA that's one long term. I'm durable South Bowers who can wrestle. Don't shoot me. Because it's a great fucking archetype. Wrestling. Durability obviously gets you really far. Wrestling obviously gets you really far alone. The Southpaw advantage, both from my hipster contrarian stylistic 
fucking seances, whatever the hell you want to call to just the proven facts, the Southpaw advantage. People like, again, backshot to the fight, Namics, Reed Koontz, who have actually run the numbers, the, the Southpaw advantage, so to speak. Um, you got all three of those? Yeah, man, there's a reason why I, I've always, you know, um, you know, love betting the uh, the Rick Stories or the uh, Calvin Gastelums, which is apropos right here, um, because they will fight for your money. And Brady is a wrestle boxer, so you have that dynamic here. Now, Gastelum has really fallen in love with the one twos over the years and really gotten really, you know, uh, lazy, so to speak. Um, and I know interviews are a grain of salt. Take him with a grain of salt, but for what it's worth, I feel like Gaslam's finally noticing this and realizing the window is closing, using his exact words, actually. He said himself the window is closing. Um, and, you know, really taking it seriously. He's had bad luck with injuries, but, you know, he's been really just hitting it hard. Went over to Thailand and trained. Um, fight ready. So between those, you know, training, I think Bang Tao and Thailand, fight ready. Again, we just talked about the low kicks at Fight Ready. Um, he's done plenty of kicks before that he kind of got away from, from his Rafael Cordero Kings MMA days. And training in Thailand, I imagine, had to also help bring that out. So between all those things, I got to imagine if there was one time, I'm not expecting, like, world beater Kelvin Gaslam, but if he just, like, throws, gets back to throwing the amount of kicks that we've seen him before, I'm not asking him to throw something he's never thrown or can't throw or we've never seen him throw. Like, no, he's thrown him plenty before. If he gets back to just throwing his hard body and head kicks, like, he's going to make Sean Brady so uncomfortable um, that even if he's losing rounds and doesn't get him out of there and he's even, like, you know, uh, not losing but, you know, competitive rounds where he should be winning all the rounds on damage but Brady's getting to his back and now you're like, okay, are we having this argument again where the judge is going to fall kind of a deal? You know, especially where we're at, uh, you know, uh, what letter of the law are they going by, so on and so forth. You get yourself in a little tricky thing there. But what I noticed is now with the Bilal Muhammad fight, maybe a little made a little more sense. You got the live audience. Uh, I know the heat in that arena is not as bad as I made it out to be before. Um, but with the Kiesa fight, you don't have a live audience. You got the Apex, the empty warehouse. And Kiesa, not that he's a big left kicker, uh, but I've been one to like, you know, uh, stick up for his, his 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 small, albeit but small but steady like striking improvements. Kiesa really didn't throw a lot in that fight, man. He, he was way 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 too conservative. Um, I knew one of the knees and one of the body kicks he did throw got him countered almost to a body kick or to to a takedown, you know, because the classic if you do throw to the body, um, guys like a Brady and stuff, he's smart and he he knows where his game's at. He's he's not gonna waste those opportunities. Uh, you have length on him, but if he can use that length against you, he will, and that's a smart thing to do. You take that length away by having a nice counter that can take you to your A game, which is the ground, right? I get that. That being said, the fact that Brady's still tired that much at round three without uh Kiesa even pushing was really was really, really telling. Um and Say what you will that, you know, about uh, Kelvin Gaslam's back exposure. Um, his his strength and his wrestling, is both his strength and his wrestling ability technically is better than Kiesa's defensively, uh, technique-wise. So, you know, uh, I got to imagine he's working those positions. Um, I, I feel like, you know, Gaslam, don't get me wrong, we've seen him, like, get submitted by, like, stupid stuff. I remember just, like, the Jack Hermanson fight. Like, he just ran him, like, well, he's just getting submitted by a leg lock, like, that could definitely happen here, but just for the numbers alone we're getting, uh, the plus money side, he opened as a slight favorite, now you're getting him as a slight underdog. 
Not a big flip, not a big number, but still technically a flip. It's a pl- it's more than a playable number. You're getting my favorite archetype underdog, um, a guy who's moving down in weight. Um, I'm not too worried. You know, a lot of these fights, you're like, oh, worry about this. W- w- wait for the scale. I'm like, I guess if you're trying to bet Jalen Turner, which I don't know why you would be. I'm not saying Jalen Turner can't win. I like Mr. Turner, right? Um, it's like wait for the scale. It's like I I I. It's like uh, I guess, but like. Gaslam is a kind of fighter who's miss is is, is going to miss weight whether he misses weight or not he's going to fight the same, and um, I think there's more of a chance of Brady not taking the fight if Gaslam miss weight, and we have to get a push on our bets if you're on Gaslam then there is a chance of Gaslam missing weight and then us people like myself who want to play him and want to wait for a better number wait for a better number I don't think that's going to happen if he misses weight, you know what I'm saying so I, I I don't think it's going to be you know. Um, it's going to be read as a disadvantage, nor should it be if you go by his trend. So, yeah, I went 1.5 units on Kelvin Gastelum at plus 105. Um, <laughs> oh, man. If you're betting favorites at UFC Austin, I feel bad for you, son. I got 95 problems, but chalk ain't one. Yeah, it looks like we're looking at a fucking bunch of plus money here. Spoiler alert, folks. Um, so far, uh, we'll see. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be a funny clip to not uh, count. Um, let's see here. But yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Kelvin Gastelum. Um, there was something else I wanted to say on that one, too. Da-da-da-da. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else I wanted to say. But that's what I'm going to go with that. Um, main card, we got uh, Clay Guida. Uh, let's see, where is Guida at? Plus 250, minus 310 is uh, Joaquim Silva. Um, he's shooting up there. It's like pretty much like parlay piece material, like him, Soriano, and then you'd probably still need someone else. I don't, I don't think two is enough to even get you the plus money. Um, not that I'm a big parlay person, but, you know, I'm just, just thinking it all out for the parlay parlay minded. Sometimes it is nice to have something like chalky to secure all your plus money things that I have running about right now, but uh, you know, um, you know, we'll see. Um, this one basically, again, I was already looking at Joaquim Silva round two, and then in his interview, again, take interviews with a grain of salt, but he's like, I'm planning to finish him in round two or three. Take it with a grain of salt, but I actually like that. Uh, I hate it when you have these energizer money fighters for like where their only chance to win is if the uh, the favorite does something stupid and gives away a bad position or gasses them out trying to go for a finish that's not there and then they end up like tiring and like having that mental game with like oh my god it's round two I was supposed to get him out in round one what is he still doing here you you watch him uh, you know uh, implode on themselves and not that that can't happen to a fighter who states pre-fight that they want the fight to go to two and three. You know, talk is talk, right? But that being said, this is just another classic, you know, what was it, the Roman Kopilov, all the, the, the Mikhailitis, Poetan, all the round two, uh, you know, I know, I, uh, shout out to my guy, Master of Love, Derek Love, D-Love, that D-Love, but uh, I know round threes are still my favorites, of course, folks, but round two has been, you know, we're setting up shop and making some money, uh, or the little bit of money I can make this year, at least. Oh boy, I didn't even see myself near the top 20 of Top Master. I'm going to go check that. I'm probably at the bottom where I should be, or should have been last year. I was surprisingly high last year just by having a bad year, and this year was even worse, so it makes sense that I'm doing worse. So we'll see there. 
But yeah, back to the round two thing. Uh, it's classic, you know, uh, you're going to spend, it's a classic example of even if the fighter gets hurt, they're such a wrestle-heavy and, and, and sporadic fighter that they're probably going to survive and just try to force their game ugly against the ca cage for the first round and then get caught by something by round two. Could it happen in round one? Sure. If it does, it'll probably, you know, be a sub, even though through amateur, exhibition, or pro, uh, Joaquin Silva does not have a guillotine win. He does have submission wins, you know. Uh, what, is his, what is his nickname? Is he one of the Neto BJJ dudes or whatever or something like that? Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be by either a guillotine, even though he hasn't had one of those because it's Clay Guida. That's what he gives. Or a rear naked choke because it's Clay Guida. And that's what he gives. Um, round two, though, is just too sexy to pull. And uh, with sub, I, I wanted a higher number. A, I wanted a higher number on sub. I think it should be higher than plus 300. And plus 300 is the cutoff. I think we have to be at least plus 330 or higher to qualify for prop squad, so I'm not going to put that on there. So I actually, spoiler alert, I'm going to go with uh, Joaquim Silva, round two. Um, you can find it as high as plus 500. The highest house available to me as of right now is plus 460. I'm going to wait for BetMGM to release their numbers. Of course, they will do it when uh, when I'm just the one moment I'm not available. They will. I'll stay up all night. And then they won't release it, and then they'll release it like when I take a nap between like nine and ten a.m. in the morning, or I won't stay up all night and I'll wake up early. And they would have released it like three a.m. Oh, we got it early this time. Like it's always some shit like that every time, but uh, we'll see. Um, but yeah, round two is going to be the play, and then I may put sub in there, since I, especially if I don't parlay him, um, just to either perhaps double dip, or you know, if he doesn't knock him out in the first round and it is a sub, like I'm projecting, maybe throw sub in the round robin, right? So, like, maybe I got, like, a Dariush money line in there because I get limited sometimes in some of the houses, and I would rather kick for coverage. Maybe we do a, a green round three, a Figueredo sub, uh, a Joaquim Silva sub or something. You know what I'm saying? Um, but the pick is going to be Joaquim Silva. Um, Puna Soriano, Punaheli, minus 310. Uh, Dustin Stoltzfus, really into Germany. Plus 250. Uh, I saw Puna last week at the gym. Always in good spirits. That guy, really nice. Just, just really salt of the earth, dude, man. All biased aside, though I do have to state it, he is a Hawaiian from Extreme Couture for what that's worth. But you don't need my bias to say it, tell me that he is the uh, deserved favorite here. Minus 120 uh, is pretty much like inside the distance and KO. I think it's pretty much like even money as well. So it's like, what are you really buying at that point? It's not sexy enough to put in the round robin unless you're parlaying Puna. Cool. Or you're just like a madman and you're taking a shot on the dog. Which I wouldn't because, again, um, the big cage. The big cage is also, I think, going to help fighters that I'm picking. It'll help Puna against a guy like Stolfus. It'll help Joaquin Silva against a guy like Guida. It'll help Gaslam against a guy like Brady. Uh, I don't know who it'll help in Font and Figueredo. Maybe neither. Um, it'll help Green against Turner because Green cannot be against the fence. Now he's going to have more room to work. And... It may actually help out Dariush against Sarukian because Sarukian likes doing all his takedowns against the fence. That's his best way of exhausting Dariush. And Dariush uh, actually has, even though he's a, a pressure fighter for a large stretch of his career, like we saw in the Gamrot fight, he does know how to and can be much more flexible when it comes to countering when the approach calls for it. So uh, the big cage actually helps a lot of the sides, I would argue. Doesn't mean I'm going to be right. Doesn't mean my bets are going to cash. Those are two different things, mind you. No, of course not. For what it's worth, that's how the cage terrain looks. I'm going to knock out the prelims real fast, but I want to clean up the uh, chat uh, first. Um, seeing some friendly faces uh, making their way in. Um, 
Okay, Jimmy Kudo, here's something I want to know. How does Bobby Green not get KO'd by high kicks with all the dips and leans he does? Fazeev should have chewed up his legs and beat him up with high kicks. You know, he gets hit with more leg kicks than I realize because they're mainly in southpaw versus southpaw matchups. And I think that is a part of the reason why optically, like, you know, rounds he might have, Trinaldo might have got, even though I disagree, for example, if you go back and, like, watch round two of that fight. Um... Hackpress, Poirier uh, have, have, have success with light kicks. But the funny thing is, Bobby Green, he never shows any effects from light kicks. It's weird. It's really weird. He does have decent checking on light kicks and body kicks. I incorporated some of those if you go to the Southpaw report that I just dropped on him. Uh, I incorporate some of those. And at the very end of the, uh, the positive one where it's showing his game... Um, I incorporated something that I, I talked about. Again, it's not that he can't catch kicks because, like, you'll see in the Trinaldo sample size, he does, uh, I forget the catch, but uh, Ghost did a beautiful thread on it with using uh, Zhang Wei Li um, in the Rose Nami Yunus rematch where uh, you catch the you catch, you, 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 you catch the kick under almost instead of the uh, normal up. You're almost like catching it under and lifting it and, and sweeping him, and he does that to Trinaldo. And Bobby Green's low-handed, um, his low-handed style actually kind of can parlay to that. And then there's another thing, which again, I felt bad saying it because I felt like I was advocating it. Like, I don't want any martial artists, young martial artists out there, for whatever reason, is taking their advice from the show or someone dumb as me. Don't go out there and say, I'm not saying go out there and block kicks like that, but I add in the very end of the sample. Um, you see it with Drew Dober, who throws a cross and then the southpaw kick. Um, when I talk about having the meat of the back or meat of the shoulder, so he's got the shoulder rolls for the punches and the slip-off line. But if his hand's out of position, and don't get me wrong, if you can just do a normal tie block, um, low, high, those are really good good bets, right? You know, be a little more exact with the hand positioning. You know what I mean. Uh, I, I would preach more uh, fundamental, traditional, go-get training. But what Bobby Green does, and I added to the end of the clip, is he'll almost let it hit his back meat where it's like it kind of slaps there, kind of slaps over here, and uh, kind of like with the punches. It's the same thing with the kicks. And that's not ideal. I will say it is better than taking it on the arms improperly because even properly kicking at the arms is obviously a Muay Thai tactic. You can still get your arms broken there, even just blocking the kick properly. So for what that's worth, it's, it's arguably safer for your arms but yeah if you miscalculate it they come off to the back of the top of your head um you play with it there you, you really would think it but that was that was the thing again that's why i said it's more punches that i'm worried about with turner than kicks when i went back to look at it like because i went back to watch even against non-southpaws like against barbosa and stuff like that and uh and yeah like he's his kick defense is actually pretty good uh he's got really good awareness of that you know that, that's that's not really the problem it's mainly low kicks if anything if, if we're gonna Look at kicks. So you're not crazy to think that. That was my initial thought. But yeah. Um, Makatsu Kayagoku. Do you like Bobby Green body jabbing Fazeev whenever Fazeev would try and circle? Um, will that be applicable here? Yeah, he does body jabbing a lot, actually, even with southpaws. I know Fazeev isn't a southpaw, but um, uh, he does it a lot. I, the Trinaldo sample I threw uh, up there, uh, he, he did it with Trinaldo really well. He mixes the uh, jabs to hooks and the hooks to jabs. Shout out to my guy Ghost for that. Like you actually see Bobby Green do that there. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's definitely applicable. Synchro wing. Why do southpaws in general have problems? 
defending the left cross from a close stance matchup, does that apply to all southpaws or just Turner? I would wager it applies to all southpaws, uh, all ver- versions, natural, adopted, or whatnot. Because again, you just you don't see the matchup, you don't see it, right? So it, it's weird when those shots come at uh, come at you. Because you see check hooks and counter crosses, but they're usually from orthodox. Or if they are from southpaw, it's because you're orthodox, right? Um, it's very seldom southpaw versus southpaw. So it just feels really weird, and I, I can't explain it. It just feels so weird. You can almost, if you know what you're looking at, you, you can watch two southpaws from novice to even decent levels look fucking so uncomfortable in a sparring match. When it and even when they look comfortable and are good enough to look comfortable everywhere, when it comes to when they, not even just throwing, when they even think about throwing their left cross, it's just uh, uh, this is so weird. Because not only are you vulnerable defensively, you feel vulnerable offensively. Because you're just not you're not used to seeing it, you're not used to throwing it, you're not used to any side of the equation, no matter what role you want to play. Um, Ray Lamina, do you know the term Jack Slack has trademark uh, black explosive? Is this a black explosive fight or just a regular fight? What are you talking about? Are you talking about Bobby Green and Jalen Turner? Um, they are both deceptively fast. Um, I'm trying to even it out. You know, I'm trying to call like the guys like Yadong uh, explosive, and I'm trying to call guys like you know like Bobby Green and like stuff like unassuming. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to level out that playing field. You know what I'm saying? Uh, let, let us Asian dudes be explosive once in a while. You know what I'm saying? Let's uh, let's let's stop. Uh, because also it could be insulting too. I think uh, you know, uh, not that Jack Slack's doing that, but like. It's funny. It derives off of, of like typical sports commentary. Oh, you're so explosive! Like you listen to like who like traditional sports commentators who are saying that about it tends to be about the same type of people. Just saying. It's like, can we talk about their skill? Maybe I don't know. Uh, Matt Polly, uh, Dan, Tom, let's fucking go Thursday night breakdowns. What up, Matt Polly? I love seeing that Super Mario icon on my screen. Thank you for stopping by. Before we knock out the rest, Ghost says, saw uh, IG that Figgy is back at fight ready. So we should expect him to try and calf kick off the jab and have good entries on takedowns. But it's Figgy who will do random things like throw elbows or go Imanaria rolls and he has horrendous reactions to the jab, which does which uh, Font has a good one. Uh, I believe you meant to say, but Font also has been cracked at the end of rounds. Do you think that the right hand of the body under the jab will be a good idea for Figgy? I absolutely, yeah, yeah. Body work definitely, and the fact that Figgy is already zoning in on it's a good sign. Uh, Mark Fellows in the house, Australia, baby, Jake Mitties. Mark Fellows, fun little card this one. Hope you're doing well. I am. I hope you're doing well, Mark. Synchro Wing. Kelvin was at Bangtow and Fight Ready. Those are two great camps. Absolutely. Do you think that will help him in the Sean Brady matchup? Yeah, I definitely don't hate it. And definitely makes me feel a little better about my side. We'll see. Uh, Jimmy Kudo Builder, that's a good one. Ghost uh, says, lay a foundation. That's a good one. I think Jack Slack calls that strikes that evolve as the fight goes on and play off each other. Um, absolutely. Those are all correct and great, great uh, explanations. Uh, Jimmy Kudo, hey, I remember that ghost post about the Zhang Weili and Sanchez style kick catch. Is that the cure to wrestle boxers uh, dipping the power side? It's definitely a tool to have. Pascal, super chat. What? Way too kind, Pascal. You're already like one of the most loyal supporters, man. You, and you, you, you're blessing me. Thank you so much. Um, big ten dollars in the super chat says big thanks for the breakdowns. It has helped me so much. Throughout the years, keep up the great work. B. Allen Craig breakdown was dead on. Pyn for life, for life. That's that's a, you'll get the uh, the the Scott Hall. Hey yo, 
uh, from me and the good mood and everything. All right, let's get through this. We're already at 137. Um, prelim's going to knock these out real quick because I did not tape these folks. Um, man, my computer's working fast. This thing's a workhorse. I'm not even hearing my fan. This is freaking great. Let's hope it sounds good uh, on the other end, and hopefully it's looking okay for you guys. Uh, Misha Tate's headling, headline in the prelims. She's an underdog uh, to Julia Avila. Did she open that way? I'm going to pick Tate. There's obvious bias there, but I do not feel good about it. Uh, I know she comes from my gym. We've been on military trips together, but, you know, I'm not like, uh, you know, uh, some some friend or, or confidant or anything like that. I don't, I don't know Misha well or anything like that. Uh, so the, to be honest, there's really... There's, it's not a strong bias here. Um, she just should be able to win the match, but at her state of her career, what we saw last time was not great. And uh, Avila, uh, for the holes in her game, she's very physical and seems like a natural fighter. Um, I don't know if this is in order. I'm just going to try to cut through this, folks. Uh, Zach Reese, minus 230, Cody Brundage, plus 190. I'll probably go with Zach Reese, who reminds me of... i, I got to go back and read my Contender series, but I'm pretty sure this was the Luke Rockhold light guy. Southpaw looks like a big kicking game. Opportunistic submissions. We just need to see more of him. Probably pick him, but I wouldn't play that fight. At least the chalk side of it. Um, Jakar close minus one thirty-five. Joe Selecki plus one fourteen. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. Because uh, this fight reminded me of it. Um, I'm actually gonna. I didn't play it yet, although I played it on this fight. Draws, baby. I talked about the draws. We're at the end of the year. There's some times to play some draws, baby. Now again, uh, I don't know where Texas is at, but. It does play certain roles as far as draws go. It will allow rounds to go on um, for fighters if they're durable enough to take the beatings. Both these fighters are durable, and so is uh, Gastelum and Sean Brady for the most part. Unless you know, if he is the one to fall, then we still cash because you know we were on the Gastelum side there. But um, you know, uh, Sean Brady could certainly you know edge out two rounds that he probably shouldn't edge out, but maybe two of the judges have it that way, especially if they're more toward the older style criteria with like back control and stuff. This applies to Selecki. It's a very similar dynamic here, right? Even though it's not a southpaw, uh, you know, Gastelum and Drakkar close. It's more the Selecki and um, fucking what you fucking call it? Who's Gastelum and Brady sides of the equation? And again, Brady, you know, even if he survives. Uh, a, you know, like Michael Chiesa could have got a 10 8 if he, if he tried a, a little harder in the round. I know easier said than done, and I'm trying to give shit to a guy like Michael Chiesa, believe me. He seems like a great guy, by the way. Um, or setting that pace earlier. Again, it wasn't the most torrid pace, and he was able to get Brady tired. Um, I think Gastelum can get, you know, you know, even though he, I, I see it, you, you know, he should already have secured a, a case for the cards by round three. But I could see him get a big 10 8 round three, maybe after getting backpacked for half the rounds. And having to survive in the first two rounds, and you get a you get a classic draw scenario, right? Um, again, judges, you know, uh, ten eights aren't supposed to be given as um, as frequently in these regions as opposed to the more up to date, like you know, and, and Nevada State Athletic Commission, California commissions, more more likely to give a ten eight, right? And they hire guys like the Mike Bells of the world, despite getting a lot of shit for not giving a 10-8 recently who has been statistically more likely to give the 10-8. So you can be like, well, we don't know if we're getting that in Texas, Dan. Well, that's the thing, is that A, a lot of these refs, uh, judges that I that I cited, ones that were uh, that I know, ones that attended the conference, they are moving in that direction, right? And, and B, even the air quote high level judges who are abiding by the air quote current letter of the law the criteria even though it's always under constant flux and needs to be uh at least right now um as we see with those judges 
who are likely to give the 10 eights, they're not even that consistent on it, right? So what we do have is inconsistency in Texas, which can be one part of having a draw, right? You still need the 10 eights, you still need you know, some, some kind of point deductions or whatnot. But here's the thing is that you have officials in places like Texas. You got Kerry Hatley's of the world that go Kumite style, and they will let fight. They, they don't stop. Just like in Brazil, they don't stop things we talked about in Brazil, right? All the easy Dos Santos things I've missed out on, right? Because if they're breathing, it's they're still, they're, it's not a stoppage, right? Um, which was really annoying when you have inside the distance tickets, but that makes for obvious 10-8s for even if you're at a sketchy judging region or a judging region that is not as likely by letter of the law to give the 10-8. Well, when you have these crazy Kumite rounds where you let people almost die, make, make it stop, he's already dead type rounds, right? You almost put the judges in a sense that no matter who is judging, no matter what jurisdiction, it's almost an undeniable 10-8, right? You see where I'm saying what I'm saying here? So uh, yeah, uh, I don't know if it's gonna be plus 6600 like I got for Drakkar Close and um, Joe Selecki, but you know Drakkar Close, we've seen him give give uh, give back exposure, but he's never been submitted before. Really tough to submit. You know he's had guys like Benil Dariush on, on his back. Uh, I could totally see Selecki, even though it's not the small cage, at least backpacking him one round, which means that Selecki either has to be competitive on the feeder in general, or the backpack two rounds, and if we don't get a finish, then he's definitely gonna be tired by then. You know, uh, Close can turn it up. Uh, he's not a good finisher though, right? But at the same time, uh, he, he does hit harder than Selecki. Selecki's not a great striker. Um, so I could really see him having his way with Selecki on the feet for as long as it's on the feet. So I don't know, man, I just, I feel like I feel like there's some draw recipes in these two, so I'm firing on it. I just put 0.17 units on each, which is insane. It's like over a thousand dollars each of those hits, seventeen dollars. Um, so that that's 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 what I'm gonna do for that. Hopefully, I explained myself well. I know I kind of went down that hole on another podcast. Um, uh, Mikuizel uh, Costa minus 258. I like this guy actually. I like his kicks. Uh, I don't know if he's a dedicated southpaw, but he will switch. I think he lists himself as a switch fighter. Steve Garcia is a southpaw, and uh, he's got a mixed record there that I'll, I'll, I will uh, try to attach on the southpaw report for Hia 2-4. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm probably going to stay away from this fight. Part of me was thinking about maybe putting, like, Costa. If I did do a parlay, maybe I would do, like, Costa, Puna, and uh, Joaquim Silva. And that's probably, like, plus 140, plus 150, but I don't know if that's worth it. Do I need to expose myself? Um... Both guys could get it done in round one, uh, but Garcia feels like he's either do or die in round one, or it's just an ugly fight to decision. Um, that being said, I feel like even though Costa could get it down round one, it could go to decision as well with that dynamic with him. He does have uh, round two and three stoppages on his record. And I do think he is the more well-rounded fighter. I do think he is the better put-together fighter. Uh, I do think he's the better fighter down the stretch. Uh, for staying power uh, as far as that goes so if i were to do anything on this fight if i got good numbers if i've got extra money maybe i don't know i don't know if i have time to look into it enough but i would just like sprinkle on because costa wins half by submission half by knockout i don't want to choose parker so instead i'll just play two rounds i play i'd play uh, costa in rounds two and three i would just sprinkle in those two rounds maybe a, a scotty pippen 
in round two and a .17 you in round three at a higher number. And then the way that balances out, you still get nice payouts on either of those for only a half unit total of exposure. That's all I would really recommend there unless you want to take a dog shot, then, you know, do your thing. Um, Rodolfo Bellato minus 380, Ehor, Poteria plus 300. Oh, I wish I could cite my guy Fanyo who does the best. There's about to be a duel. I don't know how to say it, but it's it's great. Go listen to the early prelims podcast for that one. I'll pick Bellato, but I'm staying the F away from that fight. Uh, Wellington Terman minus 198, Jared Gooden plus 164. Uh, I feel like Gooden's a live dog, but I feel like everyone's kind of a live dog to Terman because we've seen him like just randomly implode. But, um, you know, uh, I want to see him more at this weight before I, I put a nail in, in in the coffin as far as an opinion. And, you know, let's hope he's got the uh, Glover uh, Glover's Garage love going on, the Poetan love going on by training with those dudes. So I'll probably pick Terman here and stay away. Veronica Hardy, plus 154. Jamie Lynn Horth, minus 185. I don't remember Jamie Lynn Horth, uh, but I will probably pick her, even though, you know, I like me some Veronica Hardy as well. Easy. Um, and, yeah, I think that is it. Typology keeps going by the wayside. Let me scan through here to make sure there's no... Because I've been missing fights lately when I talk things. Okay, cool, I did it. How do we do on time? Uh, 1.46, we'll get it out of here before two hours. I'm going to clean up the chat, we're going to get the hell out of here, and I'll recap uh, picks and plays, leans, and all that good stuff. Um, bada ba bam uh, Rain Lamina, PYN for life, for, 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 for life, for life, for life. Hey, yo. Sorry. Bischoff. Sorry. WCW fucking Bischoff. Uh, Pascaron. Hey. Hey, yo. Checo. Chico. That's right. Oh, that's awesome. Yep, yep. He even uses the hand emoji. Love it, Pascal. You're the man. Thank you. Uh, Synchro Wing, you're awesome, Pascal. Look, even getting love from the chat. Look at that. You guys are so positive. I love you guys. PYN for life, Jimmy Kudo. That's right. I mean, oh, he's, Jimmy Kudo and Ghost. You guys are like you guys are like Kevin. You guys are like my Kevin Nash and the. Oh, that makes me Hollywood Hogan. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Don't worry, folks. I'm not gonna be dropping any bad words. Uh, no slurs here. But yeah, you guys are you guys are like my Kevin Nash and Scott Hall over here. There we go. Ghost up on the screen. Uh, split draws. I love split brawl. Draw bet of a generation wealth. I know. Split draws. Bobby Green, Texas. I mean, come on. You know what I'm saying? That, that one's got to be live there. We'll see. Uh, Synchro Wing. I asked this on Chronic Conversations, but does Veronica Hardy have a distinct advantage in having D. Hardy going, doing her analysis for her? Kind of like Ghost doing analysis for a team. Unfair advantage or fair? Uh, on paper, I'd say, yeah. I mean, if they have a healthy relationship... Um, I imagine that, that that extends into that uh, area too. So, and I and I hope they do. I wish them the best. A synchro wing guru mentioned that while it's good to have great have a great analyst in your camp like Dan Hardy or even Ghost, the fighter has to have some value because if you put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. That's right. That's right. Or a Richard Nixon mask on a pig, it's still a pig. Um, <laughs> I think you should leave. Uh, Katukai Goku, do you remember Steve Garcia running at Mahashate and getting open side countered? Yeah, that was that was hilarious. That was hilarious. Did you enjoy that at UFC 275? That was a funny one. Yeah, uh, glad uh, Steve Garcia is okay. But you know that was that was definitely entertaining. Uh, Lightmare Sworn, gotta say this since you just said it. Choose, Parker, choose. <laughs> Willem Dafoe, baby. Dafoe, one of my favorite actors. He should like break glass and everything. Like. Like, that's what I would do if I was a famous actor. Like, I would, like, I would, like, 
improv it or write write it in or improv it and force it into every movie that I'd have to break glass. So like people like you know like you're a big Christian Bale fan or whatever you are be like oh you'd be just really watching and waiting like it'd be like a serious movie and not even a funny part but then you'd break the glass and like there'd be like a section of the theater that are just your hardcore fans just laughing like there he did it and then other people were like what are you doing stop we're trying to watch the movie i don't know why i thought of that jimmy kudo i really want to thank everyone for being respectful and not being toxic yeah no thank you guys all for being awesome jimmy ghost thank you guys for uh you know monitoring the chat please hit like if you haven't already share this out Five-star ratings and reviews really do help. There are plenty of ways. Uh, you know, I appreciate Pascal hitting the uh, the super chat, the super thanks. Uh, the, you know, the, the PayPal donations are, are appreciated. Dan, Tom, and me as well. But really, you don't have to spend a penny to support the show. You just have to hit the like button. Uh, Five-star ratings and reviews, really, just just please go do that. Uh, let me. You don't have to, like, if you don't want your name written, just go hit the five-star and let me know you did it. And I will just give you a quiet appreciation. Or if you want it publicly... We'll do it publicly and give it to you that way, too. I appreciate you guys. Like this video. Share it out. All that stuff. Um, it, it is it is greatly appreciated. Uh, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com for the Amazon and Onnit click-throughs, especially for your Christmas shopping. It really helps if you're buying anything at Amazon, whether it's for Christmas or not. Uh, and on it, whether it's for you know a gift for somebody or yourself, just go to mixedmarshallanalyst.com, scroll down, click on the banner at no extra charge. Small percentage of your purchase will be kicked back to this year's program, and it really does help. It's one of the many ways you can support without costing you anything. But if you do, again, super thanks. If we had a bet, super chat while we're live, and uh, PayPal donations appreciated. Going to recap uh, picks and potential plays, leans, and and uh, and yeah. All right, uh, taking Dariush over Sarukin, taking King Bobby Green over Mr. Turner, taking, well, we'll see. I, I'm leaning toward Figueredo over Font. We'll see where I go. Either way, my heart's going to be with Font, even if my money is elsewhere. May throw Figgy by sub in to the round robin, regardless of the pick. Taking Kelvin Gaslam over Sean Brady, taking Joaquim Silva over... Clay Guida. Does that just went out on me? Uh, hopefully it's just Tapology going out. Now this broadcast is not interrupting. Uh, taking Puna Soriano over Dustin Stolzfus. Really in a Germany. Taking Misha Tate. Misha, Misha, I'm taking Misha Tate, not Masha, Masha Hate. I'm taking Misha Tate over uh, Julia Avila. Uh, I'll probably take Zacharys over Cody Brundage, but stay away. Uh, I'll probably take Jakar Close, but Joe Selecki, just give me that draw, baby. Um... <laughs> Uh, taking uh, Melchizedek Costa over Steve Garcia. I'll take Bellotto over Poteria, the duelist. Taking Terman Wellington over Jared Gooden. Uh, we'll see. I'll probably end up taking Horth over Hardy. Who knows? Maybe I'll just take the dog uh, for some late potential tout master points. Um, as far as plays goes, Mondar Yush, plus 261 unit. Gaslam, plus 105, 1.5 units. Green, plus 175, 1.5 units. Waiting for better numbers on Saruki in round 3, 4, and 5, but expect 0.33 units on each of those for just under a unit total of exposure. Also going to look to throw quarter units on green round 3, as well as green by split decision. If I can find those at minimum, plus 1,000 or over for the split prop, and uh, plus 1,800 minimum or over for the round 3 prop. Uh, looking at silver round two plus 460, I'll pull the trigger either way, but I'm holding out for a possible plus 500. Just a half unit on that, as that is the prop squad pick. Um, and yeah, for the round robins, we'll see. It'll probably be a mix of uh, Gaston Moneyline, maybe uh, 
maybe a green round three, maybe a Figueredo sub, um, and uh, maybe a Silva submission, submission as well. Uh, we'll see how that plays out again at Dan Tom MMA on Fight Day. Quick picks and prognostications on FightDayMMAJunkie.com. Action Network for all my gambling analysis at Dan Tom MMA. Hit the follow, like, share, subscriptions. It's all good. Hope you guys enjoy the fights this weekend. Let me know how the new show, if there's any uh, smoother, if it's running smooth, looks smooth, sounds smooth, and all that. All the feedback is appreciated. Good luck on your picks and plays. And always, protect your neck.